The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he plants one. Way back. It's one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. You know, I just realized this. Is this the first time we've gone back-to-back days in... God, I don't even remember. I mean, when's the last time we went back-to-back days? Was it the winter meetings in San Diego? Uh, I think it was the winter meetings in San Diego. It was the last time we did go back-to-back days. So you can definitely tell it's regular season mode for us on AceCast Live now. Did you not put anything out on Twitter? Uh, Yep, sent it out an hour ago. All right, I'm going to tell you. Last night was emotional. Last night was real. And, you know, I thought the toughest part of my career was 9-11. I was actually doing the morning show on KNBR at the time. I actually watched live the second plane hit the World uh, Trade Center. And then we had to go on. And we were on for, I don't know, I was doing the morning show with Gary Radnich at the time. And I think we were on for a little bit over an hour. And they finally, the, the, you know, the news got so big, they took us off the air. And uh, at that point, uh, KMBR was affiliated with ABC. So we went to ABC News. And we were off for a few days. It was rough. I just got married. It was It was tough. And that whole time, you know, coming back, baseball coming back, wasn't easy. I never thought I would experience something worse. And the reality is, this has been worse. And this has been tough on a lot of us. And that's why last night meant so much. Just to be able to have some type of normalcy. To not be talking about a pandemic, to not be talking about a virus, to actually be talking about baseball, to be talking about the A's, the franchise we love, the franchise we care about. Last night felt so good. It was emotional, but it felt so good to keep score again. And I know as nerdy as that sounds, but to keep score again, to listen to Ken, to listen to Vince, to then have our man Ray Fossey, who will join us today, and Glenn Kuyper, and Dallas Braden. To watch them on NBC California was phenomenal. I miss the game. I'm tired of watching the KBO. I'm tired of talking about hypotheticals. Quoting good friend Jim Harbaugh. 
I'm ready for the game to be back every day. I'm ready, you know, to do pregame and postgame and do the things that I do, that you listen to, that you care about. And if there has to be cardboard cutouts, I'm fine with that. I mean, we're, we're in a crazy time to where I don't even know when my kids are going back to school. They're supposed to be freshmen in high school. Don't know if they're going back to school. My wife's a teacher. Don't know how that's going to work. And so on and so on. All of you listening right now, your life, your job, your profession, your husband, your wife, your kids, your, your, your parents, everything's changed. But we need something that brings us back. And baseball has always been there for us through tragedies, world wars, you name it. And we need it again. Now, I've heard a lot of negativity. And, and as much as we, and, and Commander, you, 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 you know this as well as anybody because we both listen to them on an everyday basis, uh, Love Buster only. He was so negative. He's starting to come around a little bit. These guys are all mostly in their 20s. They're going to be okay. It's time to play baseball. And we saw that last night. We saw it over the weekend. Don't high five. Don't spit. Wear a mask. Social distance. Let's get going. We need to play. And we saw it last night. And we're going to see it again tonight. Now over at Oracle Park. But just the crack of the bat, the players, to see Chapman, to see Olsen, to see Marcus, to see Canna, to see these guys on the field, that meant something for me. I don't know about you, but it meant something to me. I want my life back. And I'm starting to feel like we're having it. And I'm so happy that we still have the show. I'm happy that we're going to be doing pregame, we're going to be doing postgame, and we're going to get ready. And Friday, it, it gets it's it's real. It's sixty games. That's it. If there was anything that I took from that game last night, other than just my enjoyment of baseball, Sean and I went five innings. I mean, I don't know how many people really paid attention to that. But I've been listening to all these experts talk about doom and gloom and pitchers or they can't go very many innings. And and I went five innings. I bet he could have gone six or seven. Can't wait to see Mike Fires tonight. I see Fires going five innings. That is going to play a huge role as... Cody and I went over yesterday. I don't even know how the Angels will have five guys. I mean, they don't really, they don't have a guy to go Saturday. Who is it? Andrew Heaney's going Friday? Who? Arguably the worst opening day starter on paper this year. Andrew Heaney. No offense. No, no. Maybe all time. No, no disrespect, but it's time for us to now disrespect you. Yeah, he might be the – I mean, he, he was what? You looked up the stats last year. In the area over four, he had six – I remember they had one guy. Like, almost five. 
Yeah, they had one guy only uh, go over 100 innings last year. It was former A, Trevor Cahill. One pitcher, starter or reliever, go over 100 innings last year for the Angels. Who's starting Saturday for the Angels? Uh, let me see if they have a their rotation set. I don't think they even know. They may be going the opener. Because Otani's uh, going, what, Sunday? Yeah, Sunday versus Fires at the Coliseum. That's what they were saying. According to this, well, this is actually not even – that's not even right. I was looking at Rotochamp, who they have set up for their their rotation. They're saying their rotation would be Heaney, Bundy, Griffin Canning, Matt Andres, the guy to throw the last per, uh, last complete game for the Rays in 2016, uh, Jaime Berea and Shohei Otani. So I'll see if the MLB at Bad App has who's going Saturday yet. That's their rotation? <laughs> Oh, they're trying to figure out who's starting on Saturday. That's how bad the rotation is for your Los Angeles, Anaheim, Orange County, whatever they're calling themselves now, the Angels. We have a great program lined up for you. George Contos, former reliever, just retired. It's crazy. He retired and got a job yesterday. With NBC Sports Bay Area, he's going to be doing Giants pre- and post-game live. He's a really good guy, really smart guy, uh, world champion with the Giants. But George just retired. Like when was like when was that official? Was that two days ago, Cody? That he retired? He put it on Twitter yesterday, so it's been a day, maybe twenty-four hours since he retired. So we're we're going to have him less than twenty-four hours from his retirement. If I'm not mistaken, I think we beat all the uh, the Giants uh, stations in the Bay Area, the other two stations. I think we beat them to having Contos on. So look at that. So if you want to hear from George Contos, newly retired former Giant, uh, spoiler, he's a pretty good interview. Uh, so all the kissy-kissy uh, Giant radio stations and personalities, we're getting them before – we're getting him before them? That, that's a fact. Wow. Look at you, Cody. All these uh, giant stations are going to be very upset. That's what we do here. So we're going to have George on, but he's a good interview, good guy. Talked to him over the years. He'll be here at 3.30. The voice of summer, the voice of your Oakland Athletics, Ken Korak, will be here at 4 o'clock. You know, I got got to talk to Ken in the postgame show yesterday, but we'll see. He got to sleep on it. I, I think yesterday was big for him. To get back on the air doing games. And then at 4.30, it's not hump day. We're not on tomorrow. So it's Tuesday. But the great Ray Fossey, the face of the franchise, will join us at 4.30. And then your all-star closer, Liam Hendricks, will be here at 5 o'clock. So Contos at 3.30, Korak at 4, Fossey at 4.30, and Hendricks at 5. And we haven't talked up, man. It's, you know... There's no question Liam Hendricks has been on A's cast live more than any other A's player. I mean, he's one of those guys that just comes walking up. We put a headset on him and away we go. But we haven't talked to him in a while. And it was good to see him pitch last night. And one of the interesting things is technology is changing in baseball. Coming up next, we're going to tell you. It's not it's not set yet, but they need to fix it pretty soon 
because it's very, very important. The new technology in baseball has to work, and it has to work now. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. A's fans, let's continue to do our part in stopping the spread of COVID-19. Be sure to wear a face mask when you leave the house. Maintain social distancing and wash your hands frequently. Visit athletics.com backslash resources. For additional resources and information on COVID-19, please stay safe. That's athletics.com backslash resources. COVID-19 is more than a health crisis. It's a financial crisis for many California families. In this moment, you shouldn't have to worry about keeping the lights on. That's why at PG&E, we want you to know about our programs to reduce bills for customers facing economic hardship, that we've suspended all disconnections because of non-payment, and we can help you save money by using less energy. To learn more, visit safetyactioncenter.pge.com. Hi, A's fans. Dave Cavill, president of the Oakland A's. Thank you for your loyal and unwavering support of the green and gold. This season won't be the same without you at the ballpark, but we look forward to creating opportunities for you to join us virtually. Stay tuned for more, and let's go, Oakland. Looking to stay connected on the latest information around the new ballpark project? Head over to wearerooted.com to see the latest information on all we're working on. That's wearerooted.com. There's no better destination to get your A's video content than subscribing to the A's YouTube page. Get access to great highlights, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, classic games, and more. Visit youtube.com backslash athletics to get started. Looking to stay up to date on all things A's? Head over to athletics.com slash A's cast to listen to A's baseball and get full 24-7 coverage of the A's only on A's cast. With a single click, you can stream great shows, live pre- and post-game content, and of course, all the great A's action this season. Head to athletics.com slash A's cast today to get started. Hi, this is Eduardo Perez from ESPN. When I'm in the Bay Area, I make sure I listen to A's cast live. That's KBO great. Eduardo Perez, friend of the program. You remember when we had him on, he actually joined us on Google Meet, and we got to see his setup. So the setup they have for their guys, for ESPN with the cameras and everything, it's pretty impressive. And that's going to be baseball in 2020 because your friend and mine, you call him Alan, I call him Roxy Bernstein. He'll be calling all of his games from the peninsula. They're not traveling. So all ESPN radio baseball games will be. Now, I think the Sunday night crew is still traveling because Buster only talked about booking flights. So I think the Sunday night crew, but for the most, like Boog Shambi and Eduardo Perez and these guys are going to be doing everything from their houses. Yeah, because Friday night the game, you know, uh, it's going to be on NBC Sports California, obviously, for A's Angels at 710. But it's also on ESPN, and it's Carl Ravitch, Eduardo Perez, and Jessica Mendoza on the call for ESPN. 
So that's the Where crew. Is, are we having Ravi today, or is he escaping us again, the Ravi train? The one guy we can't get from ESPN, the Ravi train. Uh, I actually heard from ESPN today. They left him a message. They're efforting to get him for us either Thursday or we're going to do something with him Friday, but they're going to give him to us uh, for sure because of the game being on ESPN. So looking forward to hearing from the Ravi train, as they call him on Buster Only's podcast. The lineup is out. Leading off playing shortstop, Marcus Simeon. Batting second and playing center field. Ramon Laureano is hitting second. How about that? Matt Chapman will hit third, playing third. Matt Olson will hit fourth, playing first base. Chris Davis will be fifth, the DH. Mark Canna will go from center field to left field, hitting sixth. Stephen Piscotti back in the lineup after going deep yesterday, which was good to see. He was on the program last week. He's one of the guys that's benefited from COVID from the standpoint of if the season would have started on time, he wouldn't have been ready. Now he's ready. He went deep last night. He's back in the lineup in the seven hole. A guy that Bob Melvin said can't get him out. Literally, this guy's been ripping the cover off the ball. And some people have called in to A's talk, to say, why not play him at second base full-time? And my answer was, I don't know. Chad Pender will be batting eighth, playing second base. He's had a great summer camp, or spring training 2.0, whatever the hell you want to call it. Chad Pender, is he earning himself a spot? You love his versatility. You can play him in... Literally, you can play him anywhere. He's your emergency catcher. He can play right, left, center, third, short, second, first. He can play anywhere. But is he now hitting to a point where he's going to force Bob Melvin and David Forst and Billy Bean to say, all right, he's playing second every day. We'll now get to see it because it's on television. Chad Pender hitting eighth, batting second, and then Austin Allen, who they traded for from the Padres, who, according to my sources inside the Friars, Austin Allen reminds they think he's going to be like a Stephen Vogt type player. So we'll get to see Austin Allen behind the dish tonight. So that is your lineup in San Francisco and Oracle Park. I know we're doing the cutouts, athletics.com slash cutouts. You can still buy your cutout. Are the Giants doing the same? Is everybody doing the cutouts? I know we are. They they announced the attendance. Martin Gallegos <laughs> tweeted it out that the uh, cutouts attendance was like 5,100 last night. I saw that, too. I think the Giants are, if I'm not mistaken, because uh, I had a friend over last night, and we were all watching the game, and uh, as the uh, we were watching the game, she was like, okay, I'm going to look to see if the Giants did the cutouts, and she was going to she was trying to buy a cutouts last night. She may have had one too many White Claws in her system, so I think she held back on buying it, but the Giants are doing it as well, yes. And our broadcasters are going to be, you know, Ken talked about it last night. John Miller called him, and now Ken's going to call John Miller, and they're going to, you know, figure out the ballpark situations. But every it's 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 basically like an Olympic broadcast. I I, I hate I, I hate for the spoiler alert 
But all these years where you see Bob Costas and you see Al Michaels and you now see, uh, what's his name? Mike Tirico. Mike Tirico. Yeah, there's certain guys that are on the grounds there, but a lot of the broadcasters that are calling the events for the Winter and Summer Olympics are back here. They're at NBC San Francisco. They're at NBC New York. They're 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 not there. Whatever the home country is, they're not. The majority of the guys aren't there. The big boys are there. You know, if you're going to be doing like, let's say, the biggest events, like 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 gymnastics, uh, ice skating, you know, there's certain event track and field that are the big boy events. Those broadcasters are there live. But the smaller events. Like synchronized swimming, that guy's probably calling it from San Francisco or New York. And our broadcasters are going to be doing the same thing. It's going to be like an Olympic broadcast. You're not on site. It's going to be tough at first, but I'm sure Ken, Vince, Ray, they'll figure it out. And what's crazy is they're all in their own booths at the Coliseum. There's going to be no baseball. They're going to have TVs in front of them, and they're all in their own booth talking to each other. We're staying safe. Social distancing. We're protecting our guys. And that's what we need to do. And I I, um, I called the great Dick Callahan last night after my postgame show. And because obviously Dick is not doing the games. We're trying to keep him safe at 79 years old. And uh, Dick is doing well recovering and um you know we got to keep these guys safe it's the bottom line i i know everybody's worried about the players i'm really not worried about the player i'm worried about the broadcasters these are the guys we got to worry about i don't need to worry about a 25 year old who's in great shape i need to worry about a 79 a 73 a 68 year old these are the guys that i need to worry about we need to keep them safe and of course ken korak is coming up here uh, along with Ray Fossey. Now, the technology that's changed, it's not something that's going to affect you as a fan, but it's affecting players. So we talked to Liam Hendricks earlier today. You'll hear it at uh, 5 o'clock. So they've switched over from TrackMan to Hawkeye. Now, to the average person, this means nothing to you. But to the players, it does. Now, I've told the story how I recently got fitted for new golf clubs and I was on track, man. So every ball that I hit with every club, you saw the spin, you saw the launch, you saw how it came down. Well, baseball has moved on to Hawkeye and that's what tennis uses. So if you've ever watched a tennis match and you see like on every serve, they can tell you if it's in or not, that's what baseball is using. But the problem is, it's not calibrating the velocity correctly right now. So if I'm a pitcher and I normally throw 95, 96 and Hawkeye's picking me up at 90, 91, that's a problem. And that's a problem that Liam Hendricks has had is like, you're looking at these numbers and you're going, wait a minute, I throw harder than 91. And the reason why that could be an issue is if you're looking at the data and you're taking it for being accurate, you're now worried. Like, how did I lose five miles an hour? 
And what I don't want any of these guys doing then is overthrowing and hurting themselves. Velocity is a key. There's no question about it. I don't want a guy like Lou Trevino getting up there and seeing on however they're viewing Hawkeye, probably on some type of tablet. And Lucy's 91 when Lou throws 97. I don't want to see that. That worries me. So baseball needs a figure. If you're bringing new technology into the game, you know, that's one of the things where it's like, you better figure this out real quick. We're already worried about guys being injured. We're already worried about, you know, a short ramping up time and putting these guys back on the mound. Hitters, I'm not worried about hitters. I'm worried about pitchers. And the last thing I want to see is velocity way down because the technology is not up to speed. That's no bueno. And Liam Hendricks will talk about that coming up here at 5 o'clock. But I do believe when we get this thing started that we're going to see pitching ahead of hitting. I'm expecting the early part, first couple weeks, if we don't have the juice ball that we had last year. Cody, have you confirmed what ball we're going to be using this year? Your sources? I'm still working on it, just like we're trying to figure out what's uh, when we contacted Louisville Slugger last year to figure out what's going on with the bats. I'm hoping we have. An, I'm hoping to have an answer from uh, my my sources soon on uh, what ball we'll be using in 2020. Are we using the ball from the regular season or the ball that was in the postseason? Because we do know if you trust the people that actually use the baseball, pitchers, hitters. The ball in the ball in the postseason was different from the regular season. And who was the Dodger? We'll never forget. The Dodger that smoked the ball to right field. Muncie. Was it flipped his bat because he thought it was gone and it was caught at the warning track? Was it Max? It was Max, yeah. And Max after the game went, Yeah, that should have been out of here. It's a different ball. What ball are we going to be using in 2020? Because we did our own scientific test here on A's Cast Live. And the ball, Michael Baird, our engineer for the A's radio network, Michael Baird had a ball from like five years ago. I took that baseball compared to last year's baseball, and they felt completely different. That ball from five years ago had seams. The ball from last year had zero seams. We even did a video where I could not set the ball down without it rolling off my scorebook because it has no seams. No seams means there's no friction. No friction means ball flies for, flies further. The thing was like a cue ball last year. And unfortunately, I think it really affected some players. And they didn't want to admit to it, but the guys that relied on a two-seamer, a really sinking two-seamer, if you noticed last year, struggled. Look at Blake Trinan. He owned it. He wouldn't admit it. Lou Trevino wouldn't admit it. 
I guarantee you that ball last year affected those two guys. Because the ball wasn't sinking like it normally does. It felt, the ball felt smaller. I mean, if you just did a comparison from a ball five years ago to what you saw last year, it was crazy. Absolutely crazy. So what ball are we going to use? Now, obviously, they're not using a juice ball in Milwaukee right now because your golden boy, Kristen Yelich, can't hit right now. I did the report on the game last. He's like two for 21 with 12 punch outs. People are worried about him already in Milwaukee. You still think he's better than Trout? Uh, I'm not going to jump off the bandwagon just like I saw people on Twitter jumping off the bandwagon going, uh, the A's aren't going to win the World Series now. It's an exhibition game. It doesn't mean anything. That's why, that's why Gabe Kapler used nine different pitchers in nine different innings. It doesn't mean anything. It was great to see Manai go five innings, though. We talked about that. But uh, I'll take Yelich and uh, being okay for the regular season. You want to also talk about juice baseballs? Uh, I mentioned this to you before the show started. Uh, something interesting happened earlier today in Houston. It wasn't here. Actually, really? It was in Kansas City. Back-to-back batters. Jose Altuve plunked. Then with the bases loaded, Alex Bregman plunked. And then later in the game, George Springer plunked by Royals pitching. Uh, we're already off to a great start for seeing what happens to the Royal, the uh, Astros in 2020 after the uh, cheating scandal that rocked baseball. This is going to be interesting. And one of the reasons why this is going to be interesting is no one's allowed to charge. So there is no... We're all coming out of the dugout. They've all been warned. You cannot come out of the dugout. It's, it, it is an open game right now. These guys are, I mean, I don't know how much we can say. I don't want to, you know, but if you're a Houston Astro, you're lucking out that there's no fans to ride you every game, all game. That's fine. You're lucky that there's no media. But the other players around the league are coming for you. And you got nothing. You got you can't charge. You charge, you'll get suspended. This is this is the wild wild west. You guys are open game. You watch. If there's a game that's out of hand either way with the Astros, dudes are getting hit. They're going to wear it. It's like old school justice. Fine. Baseball didn't do anything to you. Allowed you to cheat. We've talked about this numerous times. As I have said, they're like bank robbers. They got to rob the bank and they got to keep the money. And they squealed. And four people went to jail. Everybody else got off free. Jeffrey Luno, jail. A.J. Hinch, jail. Alex Cora, Carlos Beltran, jail. Everybody else, they got away with it. They got to keep their rings. They got to keep their money. They got to keep the, the everything. 
And then baseball came out and and told you it only happened in one season, that the other two seasons, they weren't doing it. Big opinion guys like Justin Verlander, now he's got nothing to say. You know, these guys with the big bravado, they got nothing to say. Well, guess what? You're going to have to step into that box 60 games and get ready because there's going to be people that they're not happy. I mean, we've talked to people, Cody. They're not they're not happy that like, they're, like there's a lot of players that are not cool with this. You know, the, the old silent majority. They're coming. And if a game's nine to two in the eighth inning and Jose Altuve comes to the plate, he better be worried. He better, better be ready to wear it. No one is buying that whole walk-off home run from Chapman, don't tear off my jersey because of my wife, and then I go into the clubhouse and I completely change out of everything and come out with a whole new shirt. And Ken Rosenthal even goes, why did you change? Like, Ken Rosenthal, friend of the program, Ken Rosenthal. I don't see him as a conspiracy guy, but even Ken, who's been around this game his entire life, knew it was odd that Jose Altuve went into the clubhouse and completely changed and came came back out to talk to him and questioned him live on television. Guess what? Get ready, boys. The league's not happy. And I think we're going to see quite a few times Houston Astros hitting the deck. Well, we already saw today Jose Lopez hit those two guys back-to-back. Well, with the bases loaded. Hitting Bregman with the bases loaded, that's pretty much a big F you, we don't care. Now, exactly. it was, was it intentional? I don't know. That's for other people to interpret. But they hit Altuve and Bregman back-to-back. The MVP from 2017, they got to finish second MVP voting last year uh, ahead of Marcus Simeon and behind Mike Trout. And then they hit George Springer, the prized free agent outfielder of this uh, upcoming offseason. It's a little interesting. And this is uh, – their man. who's the manager of the Royals? Mike Matheny. He's an old-school guy. So the, it's already starting, and I can't wait to see uh, how many more times this happens to – just the, this, how everyone's talking about it because you can't charge them out, and you're right. I want to see how the players from the Astros react to it because you know the teams that are doing it are going to be laughing and knowing that, hey, you, just, you knew this is coming – you you know you got to be you better be ready for it. Yeah, I mean if there's a big lead, either way, guys are going down. I mean that's that's just a reality. And now, how many times are the Dodgers playing the Astros? I know for sure they have a. I think it's twice. They won. I think it's one in Houston and one in L.A. I can pull up the Astros schedule because I was. I guarantee you, Dodger pitchers will hit Astros. I mean, the way I I I was shocked because Fan Fest, the Dodgers Fan Fest, wasn't that the day before our Fan Fest? I think yeah, I think it was on a Saturday. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Was ours now. on Sunday? No, uh, I'm I'm trying to remember now. But I know there's there's might have been the weekend before ours. It could have been the same weekend. I, okay, I, whatever it was, the Dodger the Dodgers fan fest was before ours. 
Actually, that's when we found out my my daughter was a diabetic. So I think we had the show on Friday, and then ours was on a Saturday. So probably the weekend before was the Dodgers Fan Fest, and they went all in on the Astros. Even though people have accused the Dodgers of cheating, Dodger players basically rip the Astros to shreds at their Fan Fest. I guarantee you, when the Dodgers and the Astros hook up, if there's any opportunity to take an Astro hitter and drill them, they're going to do it. Don't have to wait they're long. Pissed. First game's next week. <laughs> they're pissed. You lost the World Series. I mean, your chance to be a World Series champion, you lost to the Astros. I don't know how much they were cheating in the postseason, but whatever, you lost to them. You think Dodger pitchers are not going to go after them? And what are you going to do? You can't. You, you're going to. You want to get suspended in a 60 game season? You charge the mound. I di- I will predict this. There will be a fight between the Astros and a team. I don't know who that team is. And even though we're in these COVID rules, I guarantee you, there will be a point where the Astros go enough is enough, and the benches will clear. That is my, I want you to note this, 340 on July 21st, Cody, my prediction. You will see the benches clear this year with the Houston Astros and another team, despite the COVID rules. Because at some point, they're going to get tired of getting hit, and they're not going to be happy about it. And Dusty Baker can say whatever he wants. Dusty, you, you know, reality is, I love Dusty Baker. I think he's a great individual. I think he's really good people. Having been able to cover him before and covered him after he was fired and had interviews with him. I think Dusty is a, is a quality individual, but Dusty wasn't there. They brought Dusty in to basically be a, a fall guy. You know, Dusty's the guy to... Hey, we love Dusty Baker, so we're not going to be on you as much. That ain't happening. I think we really felt it, by the way. Right after the winter meetings, when a lot of it started coming down, you you got the feeling from people around the game, like, all right, we're going to excuse the guys for using steroids. Everybody was doing it. But there was there there was the feeling around the game that people aren't cool with this. Like they're really upset about it. Like we start seeing article. I'm, I'm every single time I get on this, I can't get off of it. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> uh, it's just you affected lives. I mean, the athletic had a great thing about pitchers that would go into Houston, get roughed up, and they were sent back down to the minor leagues. There was like thirteen of them. I mean, you dramatically affected people's careers. You're cheaters. You're scumbags. It is what it is. And do not play the victim. Do not, And that's why I, I so wanted to go into their clubhouse this year and talk to Carlos Correa. He was the one guy I wanted, I wanted to get in on. 
How can you act like you're the victim? Carlos Carrera actually acts like they're the victim. It's disgusting. Did you, does anybody, so what they did is they rolled out Jim Crane, the owner. They rolled out Dusty Baker. Then they brought out Altuve and Bregman, who gave very weak, weak speeches. Then they allowed the media into the clubhouse. And then all of a sudden, Carlos Correa starts backing it up. And you can't say Altuve is not an MVP. You know, he basically called them the victim. It's not fair. What? Do we still have that audio, by the way, Cody? I'd have to go back and find it, but I'm, I know it's on my my other computer. I mean, it's 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 Carlos Correa. I you know I'm not gonna say. I'll just keep it to myself. Sometimes it's better just to keep it to yourself. But when I saw that speech, I I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. The bank robber is now acting like the victim. Couldn't believe. And Richard Justice, who we had on, what, about two weeks ago, longtime national columnist, now MLB.com, but used to be Houston Chronicle. He went to their spring training, and he told us these guys were worn out already. The Astros were mentally fried. And they hadn't hit the road yet. They're all wearing this because they know this is dramatically affecting their career and their legacies. And they were worn out. They were going to come to Oakland. They were going to come to Anaheim. Dodger fans were already buying tickets to roast them down in Anaheim. I mean, they were going to get hammered everywhere they go. And they're getting off. The bank robbers continue to get off. It's unbelievable. But let, 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 let's see how they perform. I mean, as an A's fan, I'm pissed. We've won, we've won 97 games two straight years, and both years, we're not even close to them. They're winning 60 freaking games at home. You're telling me they're not cheating? They're basically unbeatable at home. Drives me nuts. Before we get to George Contos, Cody, please give me a PG&E read. PG&E's frontline workers take the field every day, responding to the needs of our East Bay community. We are happy to honor all the five-tool players from PG&E who have shined throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, we'd like to honor longtime ace fan Adolfo Barron, who is with PG&E's electric line assistance team. Thank you, Adolfo, for all you're doing down on the front lines our community yeah and there's no doubt i mean people who are out there you know doctors and nurses and emts and everybody on the front lines thank you for everything that you do and if you're actually listening to us we're here just to help you have a little normalcy but we truly appreciate everything that you guys do and I love that we talk about PG&E frontline workers who are A's fans. 
and we're supporting them. And thank you for everything that you do. Earlier today, George Contos, it's crazy. He retired like yesterday and then got a job with NBC Sports Bay Area. He's going to be doing television. He's a really good guy, a World Series champion. And, um, you know, if you're going to retire, it's nice to have a job right away. So we got a chance to talk a little baseball and uh, talk a little bit about the Giants who the A's are taking on. Game two of the Bay Bridge Series coming your way at 6. What time's first pitch? 6.45? I want to say yeah, pregame for me. 6.45 is pregame's a 5.50. So we'll be done here at 5.30, and I'll be back on pregame at uh, 5.50. Yeah, that's correct. But George Contos, really good guy. Here's my interview with him earlier today. George, it's great to have you back on the program. Congratulations on everything. I know you just retired, and uh, now, now you've come to the dark side. You're now a media guy. <laughs> I know. For years, as, as a player, we, we were uh, not dreading, but we would always kind of look when the media guys would walk in the clubhouse and be like, all right, everyone kind of sit in your locker. Don't say anything too loud. And now I'm on the other side. So, um, you know, it, it'll be great that I have some of the relationships with those guys. To, so hopefully they don't, they don't treat me that way. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like you're young enough to still know a lot of the guys. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's awesome, actually. You know, I'm Buster, who's not playing this year, obviously. But Buster, Brandon Bell, Crawford, uh, Hunter Pence, who most people don't know. I'm his godfather because he married into the Greek uh, ethnicity. Um, and then, uh, you know, Cueto, we played with Samarja. So there's quite a few guys there that I overlap with and, uh, a handful of guys who have a couple of rings as well with me there. So there's, there's some, uh, some blood that runs deep in that clubhouse still. You know, and I, and I think, you know, someone who, who won a championship like yourself and you come back to the organization and, and, you know, the one thing that even though, you know, we, we don't like the giants, it's a reality, but, uh, <laughs> the one thing that I've always respected is that, the Giants do a great job of celebrating their history and taking care of their own players, and, and obviously you're a big part of that. Yeah, I would I would totally agree. I mean, there there are guys who are always around, you know, Jeremy Affelt and Javier Lopez before me, and, you know, Andres Torres is always walking around, and you always just see guys walking in and out, whether they're um, doing broadcasting or media stuff or whether they're, you know, special assistants to the program or whatever. Cody Roth is always around, Pat Burrell, so – um, it's great. It's great that the um, organization is is very fond of the guys who have helped win and and helped put a few of those championships uh, championship banners up and and bring a few uh, trophies to to the Bay Area. Now you're one of those smart guys. You went to Northwestern, and uh, I look at this season. It's sixty games. It's almost kind of like a college baseball season. It's sixty games. It's going to be over before you know it. It's going to be wild. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think the typical, obviously, the typical season is 162 games and 180 something ga uh, days, but uh, more marathon. Like this one's going to be a sprint. It, there's going to be some things. There's some teams who are not really expected to do much, who could have a hot stretch. I want to say that uh, in the NL West, the Dodgers are are favored to finish first, obviously, with a 36 and 24 record, and the Giants, I think, are uh, at the bottom of the cellar with a 24 and 36 record, but. You know, a, a good week, a six-in-one week on either direction can can really kind of put some distance or catch catch some teams ahead of you. So it's going to be one of those things where if somebody can get out of the gate quick and just play some good games, you never know what can happen. Yeah, I mean, every I mean, it, the reality is everybody's going to be in play here because I mean, obviously, 
uh, a bad team has a good week. Next thing you know, they gain confidence. And, you know, the one thing that we've been talking about here is, you know, relievers are going to play such a huge role in this season to where I'm of the belief that if you have a spectacular season as a reliever, you're going to be not only in the Cy Young hunt, that you could be in the MVP hunt. I mean, work with me here. What if you're a reliever and you end up getting like 20-something saves and X amount of wins in 60 games? I don't know who would be more valuable on your team. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think I think in a season like this where anything is possible, I remember one year before the All-Star break, I had 50 games. So um, if, if you can go out there and, and pitch well, and obviously it matters where, you know, the, the games you're going to be pitching in and your team has to give you an opportunity to, to be in those big situations. But, um, you know, I want to say the last the last reliever to win those awards was, was what, uh, Gagne or Eckersley or – I know, I know Britain had a really, really good season in 2014 and 15, and, and he even got snubbed um, for, for the, uh, the Cy Young Award. I think he lost by a little bit. But I think if, if, if a guy can go out there and, and, you know, the first half of the season, everyone's going to be really – or the, the first half of a typical season this year would be the whole season. But uh, everyone's going to be fresh. Guys are going to not need as many breaks. Um, but I think on, on the flip side of that, managers are going to kind of ride those hot hands, and you're going to see the workloads on, on guys, I think, be a little bit more aggressive than they would be on a typical 162-game season. I'm looking at your numbers. In 2015, you threw <laughs> 73 games. Yep. 73 games in the last one of the season, I gave up three runs without getting an out, and it brought me over the two ERA mark, which I was not thrilled about. But it was it was a great season and um, r- racked up the appearances, and, and it, was, it, was, it was fun. That was a good one. You know, we saw last night uh, Sean Manaya for the A's go five innings. And it, I, I think we kind of overplayed this that, oh, the starters are not going to be ready. They're not. I mean, I, I have a feeling pitchers are going to be more ready than we think they are. How do you think it's going to be for these guys since the pandemic and this layoff? Well, I totally agree with you. I, I think these guys, I mean, all you need is somebody to play catch with and to be outside to get your throwing in. So, you know, I watched, you know, Johnny Cueto's Instagram the entire uh, the entire layoff that we had, and he was facing guys pretty regularly. He was really ramping it up to high intensity workouts. On top of it, a guy like him who only threw 16 innings last year, coming back from Tommy John, he's well rested, he's ready to go. I have to imagine he's going to be gnawing at the bit to get out of the gate and just kind of let let the reins go, let the leash go, and see how far he can take it. You know, some of the other guys as well. You got some guys who have been around who, who are able to carry those workloads. Um, you know, I think the pitches are definitely going to be a little bit more advanced than the hitters right, right now, especially with not having had some of the um, live live reps that you typically would get out of a normal spring training with the layoff. And then, you know, this three-week summer camp deal is, is uh, it, it's great and to get guys kind of up to speed. But I think the pitchers, as you said, will definitely be ahead of the hitters. And, 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 you know, the thing that I'm so fascinated about is what kind of baseball are we going to have? Are we going to have the juice baseball from last year? Or are we going to have the baseball that technically we, we're, we're being told that was a little bit different in the postseason and didn't fly as far? Well, I think that with kind of how things went during the layoff with, with the, 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 owners, the owners and the players and the agreements that they weren't able to come to until – um, a little bit later than I think they would have liked. 
um, there's going to be there's going to need to be some entertainment and some excitement. So if if I were making a guess, I would say that you're going to see you know some home run spikes and you're going to see some of those balls flying out uh, where you kind of shake your head and scratch your head and wonder how it got out. You know, I think from a, a starting pitching standpoint, and and it's it's a question we, we we don't know the answer to. Do you think we'll see a lot of? I mean, twelve starts. If you're going every five days, it's going to be twelve starts. Do you think we see a lot of guys get 12 starts? Would you take the over or the under on that? I would take, uh, I would probably take the under on that. I, th- I think what we're, where we're going in the game is you're going to kind of see, le- you're going to kind of see more bullpen by committees. I think you have a couple extra pitchers this year that you're going to be able to run out there. Um, and, and just kind of maybe your one, two guys, your, your kind of horses, your veteran guys that have been around there. I think they're going to take the ball every fifth day. But I think some of the some of the younger guys who maybe in their first couple of years they're going to do some creative things with uh, with the pitching staff. You know, you, you you've been in the game uh, for a long time, and looking at the Dodgers who've won the West seven straight years, and just looking how stacked they are now that you know you you can have the DH. You know, they can just put Jock Peterson in there who had 36 home runs or against a lefty, you have Kiki Hernandez who rips left-handers. They're just so balanced in so many different ways. Do you see anybody in the West? I know the Padres have kind of been a, a, a chic pick by somebody. But do you really see anybody in the West that can stand up to the Dodgers? Well, you know, they just added a, another MVP in their lineup in Mookie Betts, and they got a they got a lot deeper. They have a good pitching staff. I think for anybody in the West to compete, it's going to be a little bit difficult. Um, but you never know. Like like we said earlier, in one of these shortened seasons, if they have a they have a off week and another team has has a a great week, I remember in a, in a couple of the years where where I was still playing in San Francisco, the San Diego Padres were were at the bottom of the division and they were not supposed to win any games, but they always came in and they played the NL West tough. They played us tough in San Francisco and in San Diego. And if, if a team at the bottom can, can kind of do that, a younger team that's not supposed to do much can come in and play good baseball and, and kind of just, you know, rattle some cages a little bit. You never know what can happen. Do I think the Dodgers will, will ultimately win? Yes, I do. Um, but in one of these unprecedented type seasons, you never know what can happen if one team has a bad week and another team gets on a roll a little bit. All right, let's end on this. Now that you're becoming a television guy, when's the last time you've applied and wore makeup? <laughs> um, probably when I was doing, in maybe 2016 or 17, doing some uh, preseason uh, commercials for the Giants. You know how they have the the commercials and, yeah. and all the stuff yeah. for, for the different nights, fireworks night and whatnot. I think that that's probably the last time I put on makeup. I mean, and before you're gonna, that, before that, probably never. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna have, you're gonna have to wear a suit. You're gonna have makeup on. I mean, this is a whole new deal for you. Well, the good thing about it is, early earlier in my career with the Giants, we we wore we were dressed to the nines on our team planes. We we wore uh, slacks and sport coats, tie optional. So. Uh, you know, I had, I had a couple guys buy, uh, buy me some suits and over the, over the years I've bought some suits. So I have plenty of suits lying around that, that are just itching to be worn. So I'm really excited to get to use those and put them to good use. Um, and, and you know, it's all, you always feel good when you dress nice, you know, it's, it's the same thing as playing, right? Look sharp, play sharp, except now it's look sharp and broadcast sharp. That is always one of the great traditions in major league baseball of how veteran guys, 
take care of younger guys because most younger guys, they've never had a suit in their life. And, you know, it's the big leagues. You need to dress nice. And the fact that guys did it for you and you did it for other guys, it's truly one of the great traditions in our game. Yeah, it, it really is. You know, I, I enjoyed it. It's it, it, it's great. It's that great feeling when you first get there and you feel like you're part of, part of the group of guys and a veteran makes you feel like you're welcome. Um, you know, I remember I, I think I, I got a, one for Christian Arroyo and the, the the look on his face was just like, oh, so appreciative. He felt like he belonged and was part of the group. And, you know, you always pay it forward. The guys, the guys ahead of you have done it to you and then you do it to the guys behind you. And that's how you create those good traditions. And hopefully everyone looks really good. And they don't get those goofy suits that uh, that uh, that are there for, for just the jokes. But it's definitely a great tradition. And I, and I hope that the uh, looking nice and dressing to the nines is something that uh, continues for, for years and years to come. Well, you, you, you had you had a really good career. You're a World Series champion. Everything you, you want to achieve in the game and now going to be back with the Giants. I know the organization means a lot to you, and you're going to be on television. It's going to be great to see you. So uh, hopefully next time we're talking, we're actually talking about real baseball games. I would love that. I would love that. Thanks a lot, Chris. George Contos. I know it's nauseating saying nice things about the Giants. <laughs> but uh, good dude. He's a good guy. Former Pirate George Contos as well. Former Yankee. Former, where else did he play? Played Cincinnati. I want to say he was with the Cubs too, maybe? I mean, he's mainly known for his run with the Giants, but let's see. Let's pull up his old baseball reference page. Uh, uh, George Contos, great Toronto Blue Jay, uh, Cleveland Indian. His so he was, he was Yankees, Giants, Pirates, Blue Jays, Pirates, Cleveland, New York. Started with the Yankees and ended with the, I mean, that's a pretty cool story. It's like you retire and like, you know, cause he told us actually, you know, take you behind the curtain a little bit. We always talk a little bit to the guest before we tape it. And uh, he was actually preparing to play the season. So he was, you know, God, he'd be what? Like 34 years old. He was like, he was trying to still play. And then eh, I'm going to hang him up. And, uh, oh, by the way, you got a new job. You're going to be doing television. So good for him. His picture on baseball reference too is in a, is in a nationals uniform, which is actually kind of funny. <laughs> Did he ever play for the Nationals? I mean, maybe he had like an invite to spring training or something, but I don't think so. Yeah, he so. never officially, that, according to baseball reference, there is no uh, Washington Nationals on his resume. He had a solid, I think when he first went to the Pirates, I remember when he first went to the Pirates, he was pretty solid. And then I think his second year, in, I think it was 2018, he wasn't very good. But Oh my God, look at his ERAs. I mean... With the Giants in 2014, 2.78. 2015 was 2.33. 2016 was 2.53. Uh, the one year he was with the your Pittsburgh Pirates, Cody, he had a 1.84 ERA. Is that any good? I think Do we so. have the great Ken Korak online right now? Hey. How are you? I'm looking at an empty Coliseum. <laughs> and the the tarp the tarp is on the infield and it's not coming off. <laughs> and we're going to do the game from here tonight. So, um, 
are the cardboard cutouts still there? Uh, yeah, the cutouts are still here. Yeah, I think so. Well, uh, yeah, I think they're mostly here. Yeah. So they might make some noise tonight. I'm not sure. We'd have to go down and ask them. Yeah, because uh, Martin Gallegos put out the uh, attendance last night. It was like 5,100 cut- cutouts. They announced that on the in-house PA. They actually came on. It was like the eighth inning, and they said, tonight's cutout attendance is 5,100. So I got to talk to you after the game, but now you've had time to sleep on it. For your career and just getting back on the radio, what did last night mean to you? Well, I think a lot of it, Chris, and we've talked about this, revolved around the great unknown. And so this was kind of a two-part deal for us. And I've really felt all along that doing these two exhibition games would really be important going into the the opener on Friday night. So I think I can answer the question maybe a little bit better tomorrow or Thursday, because last night was kind of like doing a, a regular game, even though fans were here and we had piped in crowd noise, but it was calling a ball game because we could, we could see it and react to what we saw. Uh, tonight's a totally different deal because we have the TV monitors. I'm not real concerned about it because, I know our listeners will be understanding there's going to be some stuff we're going to miss, but we're going to try to make it sound like a regular game, and I think hopefully we'll be able to come close to that. And we have Fossey in the booth as well. Uh, the most gratifying thing has been, I got a text late last night from a friend who's a, a local writer, and he said that listening to the game brought a sense of comfort, you know, almost kind of a sense of normalcy to be able to have a ball game on. And that's what this is all about for me, Chris. If we can do that for our fans, then this will be a worthwhile experience. And, you know, take people behind the curtain. I mean, the way the Coliseum is set up and the press box is set up, that you're in a different booth than Vince, but you two can see each other. Yeah, I don't think that was an issue at all. I mean, he's right through the glass to my right over here. We're not that far away. And the same with Fosse. Because Mike Barrett has this luxurious studio set up for him to to my left, so I'm in the middle, and Ray's on my left, and Vince is on my right. So that's I don't think that's an issue at all. I mean, we've worked together for so many years that uh, I'm not concerned about that at all. Yeah, no, I, I, I you know, it's kind of crazy. You know, I mean, all the things that we have done that are new and. Our affiliation with TuneIn and new studios, and I think yesterday went off without a hitch. I was very surprised. Yeah, and now we'll, we'll see about tonight. We're lucky to have Mike Baird engineering and, and coordinating all this from the audio standpoint because tonight is a little bit more tricky because the audio is coming from over in San Francisco, and it's going to be run through the A's Vision here and then over into our booth, and you know we'll see how that goes. And, and right now I'm looking at the two TV monitors I have. And we have, to my left, we have what's called the All Nine, where I've got, let's see, I've got both bullpens here. I've got a shot of center field and the scoreboard. I've got a shot of the Giants taking BP. And I've got a high home shot of the whole field. And that's all in one monitor. So it's going to take some time to work through the mechanics of it. But uh, we have some tools to work with, that's for sure. You know, the one thing I... I I mean, from your standpoint, starting tonight, and of course you're going to have 30 games that you're not at that game and they're going to be on the road. I, it's It really is the shifting. I mean, other than that, I think you're good, but it's just 
as long as they show you constantly how the defense is lining up, because, you know, as we saw last night with Matt Olson at the plate, they had four outfielders. That's right. You're exactly right. That's been my biggest concern was the ball being hit somewhere and not knowing who was playing there or if anybody is even there. And the other thing would be reading balls off the bat because we're used to reacting the way the, the way the outfielders react. And we really won't get that. Now, the, the folks who do the production on both sides of the Bay A's and Giants do great. The directing and the producing and the, the camera people are great. So once the ball gets to the wall, you, you'll get a close-up shot almost every time of the outfielder going to the wall and then and the ball. And so I think from that standpoint, calling home runs is going to be okay. But I think reacting to the ball off the bat and really having a sense whether it's hit really hard or it might even be just a pop-up on the infield, uh, that might be a little challenging. Yeah, I could see that. There's no question. And then, of course... Uh, it all depends on what ball we're using this year because last year, I mean, how many right. times, how many times did an outfielder look like he was tracking a ball down? Next, thing you know, he ran out of room and the ball was gone. Yeah, and you get fooled by that. Like you know, last night I got fooled on Piscotty's home run when Austin Slater went back and it looked like he had a play on it, and then it went over the wall at the three sixty two mark. So we we do rely on that. But you're right. Who knows how that's going to play in and how the baseball is going to react this year. It's a good point. You know, I'm not going to be shocked, and it happened last night, that pitchers are going to be more ready than we think they are. Like, Sean Manaya went five innings. Sean could have gone six or seven. And we're going to see fires tonight. I, I, I have a feeling that the pitchers are going to be ahead of the hitters and that this whole worry about how many innings, I, I think they're going to be more equipped to give us more innings than we think. And a lot of that depends on how many strikes they throw because Sean had very good control. Now he walked a batter in the three-run inning in the second, or he hit, he hit Sandoval, didn't walk anybody. That was the only hit by a pitch, so. He threw a lot of strikes, so that'll allow you to get deeper into a game. And he retired the last 10 batters he faced. So uh, I think there's a premium on that as a pitcher if you want to get deep. And Mike Fires has always been a, a strike thrower. I think tonight they're going to limit him to around 75 pitches, and we'll see how far he goes. But I still think uh, the bullpens are really going to be big factors, don't you? I mean, you're going to have to get some real uh, solid contributions from a lot of your relievers. And especially because of the nature of the schedule where you're playing 60 games in 66 days, they just have a stretch of 43 out of 45, literally two days off in a stretch of 45 games. So, you know, that can really tax a bullpen. Well, you, your buddy, Commander Cody and Brian Kenny of MLB Network, uh, they love all the bullpenning. And we're starting to talk about, you know, if you have a guy go out there and I, I mentioned this and we'll have Liam Hendricks at five o'clock. Uh, we taped him earlier today. If you have a guy go out there and give you like 20 saves and let's throw in four or five wins, uh, this could be like a Raleigh Fingers, Dennis Eckersley situation where the MVP, forget the Cy Young, the MVP could be a reliever. No question. And the A's are fortunate that they have Liam and he looked great out here last night. So it's a really valid point, and we don't know how things are going to go with the three-reliever rule, three-batter rule for the relievers, too, right? Chris, I have no idea how that's going to work. I know Bo Mel wants to kind of get into the season and see how it goes because none of the managers have, have dealt with this before. So uh, that becomes a factor. The other thing is that the teams are starting the year. The teams are going to start the year. Half of their players, when the season starts, are going to be pitchers. 
even with a 30-man roster, some of the clubs are going to carry 17 pitchers. <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of the theater of the absurd. So there's a lot that we don't know going into the year, but <laughs> I think that, you know, for the A's, how Bassett and Mingdon do the first couple of times through, don't you think? That's going to be big. because they, they don't have Lizardo and they don't have Puck. I mean, Lizardo will be on the club. Who knows about Puck? He's on the, on the I.L. So how the guys at the back end perform will really go a long ways to, to determine how well the A's do this year. I almost kind of like the idea of what Lizardo was last year when he came up where he's not starting. You're bringing him in. And he's getting premium innings and he's bridging that gap to get to the back of your bullpen. That guy has become so valuable now. I know starting pitching and all that, but the guys that can get the outs in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh inning to get it to guys like Liam Hendricks are now so valuable. And I can pitch him more than, you know, once every five days. I, I could potentially see him in that role and him being more valuable in that role in such a condensed season. I can see that now. I can see your point now. I don't see it late in the year, and especially if the A's were to get to the postseason. Because you can't advance and you can't win a World Series unless you have dominant starting pitching. And if he's the kind of guy that we believe that he is, Chris, I want him starting down the stretch, and I want him starting if the A's are in the postseason. So I think your point is valid early in the year. There'll be more of a premium on guys that can give you length out of the bullpen early in the season. but I want this kid in the starting rotation because I think he has the ability to be someone who could help carry a team in the postseason. I think the most starts you can get is 12. Right. How many, you, you, you really think there's going to be that many guys that actually make that many starts? I do. I do. If they stay healthy, yeah, Garrett Cole will. Yeah, for sure. The guys who stay healthy will be able to. Yeah, that's the five-man rotation for the 60 games. So, yeah, I would think so. I don't see any reason why not. Yeah, Garrett Cole, that contract, you better be making 12 stars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, his first one's coming up on Thursday, and we'll see how he does. Uh, but sure, I, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why not. You know, I, you know, Ken, this is probably reality is, and I don't even know if baseball, they've had to figure this out, but we're literally going to have a bunch of teams vying for postseason spots. It, it's it's going to be very close. I think it's going to be crazy listening to you try and figure out tiebreaker scenarios and all the, because oh, there's please, going to be, come on. There's going Let's to be wait so for many that. Teams. There's going to be like 13, <laughs> well, 14 teams vying for postseason spots. You hope so, because one of the concerns will be if the team falls out of it and gets way behind. And let's say it's like the first of September, you still have a month to go. How will their players react to that? Will some of the veterans think, you know, maybe it's not even worth playing the last month. So, We'll have to wait and see on that. Well, can you imagine what it, it would have been like if we had had 16 teams? I mean, if there had been an agreement between the players and the owners, we would have had 16 teams in the postseason. Well, you think about trying to figure that out. Uh, but, you know, the A's don't want to if, – if the A's get to the postseason, they would much prefer to win the division than have to deal with the wild card once again. We're, I think everybody's tired of that. And with a trading deadline – there's a couple names out there. You know, I saw a rumor today that potentially the Phillies are interested in Chris Bryant. We already know there's there, there there's a, 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 a not a very good relationship going on with Nolan Arenado and the Colorado Rockies, even though he signed that long-term deal. 
Uh, Lindor is still out there. If Cleveland doesn't get out to a good start, uh, you think we could see some big names traded by August 31st? I do. And it's there's so much of this is going into the great unknown because there's a lot of financial issues that we just don't know about. We don't know about the financial state of the game next year, whether we'll have fans back at ballparks or how many even if fans can go. And so how the teams weather this storm right now financially, and there will be teams, I think, that would be because of that more apt, perhaps, to trade one of their high-salaried players. So uh, we're venturing into the great unknown with that. So to answer your question, I would think that there's a, there'll be a lot of discussion, I would think, this year about some of the guys you talked about being moved. Well, I know the number one thing is keeping you guys healthy. That's the number one thing for me. I know everybody's concerned about the players, but these guys are all in good shape. Majority are in their 20s. Uh, It's guys, you know, I called Dick Callahan last night and told him, you know, I'm I'm glad you're staying home. And and I'm glad that Dave Cavill and his staff are doing everything they can to keep you guys safe and, and give you that ability to work. And, you know, that's my number one thing. I want to keep you, Foss, Vince, I want to keep you guys uh, bubble wrapped and doing well. Well, it means a lot for you to say that. And we feel the same way. So there is there is that concern. There's always that, that kind of backdrop. Uh, but I, I do think that the A's, in conjunction with Major League Baseball, have done quite a bit for us from that standpoint, Chris, with the protocols and the guidelines. So I think there's been a lot of work put in behind the scenes. So we feel pretty good about what we're doing, and hopefully we'll be able to, you know, to keep this going for the whole year. But uh, I appreciate what you, what you said. But um, we feel pretty comfortable right now, I have to say that. Well, I got to tell you, I mean, the bottom line, just to, just to, you know, to listen to you guys last night, you know, I was talking about, you know, the t- I, I thought the worst thing in my career would have been 9-11, I, I didn't realize something could be worse than that. And this has been uh, this has been real tough for, for everybody. Everybody listening to us right now. Uh, but just to have you guys back on the air last night meant so much. It was emotional. It was it was it was so wonderful just to hear you guys and, and to watch the game on television. It just it gave us normalcy for the first time in so long. That's what I said earlier. If we can provide some joy and some comfort and a diversion for people because this has really been rough and it still is rough. We're still in the throes of this pandemic, Chris. We thought we'd be a lot better off as a country than we are now. So you're right. And that's, you know, I think you and I've talked about this. We're working for those people. Those are the folks that are so important to us as broadcasters right now. So you're exactly right. And I appreciate what you said. And uh, that does provide a lot of motivation for us. There's no doubt. Just think tonight. So. Channel your inner Bob Costas as you're doing like the Olympic Games as the game's over in San Francisco, but you're in Oakland. So channel your Bob Costas tonight. I want to text Gabe Kapler too and say, please don't bring a reliever in the game every inning. Because we could we could kind of identify him last night. And Vince was great because he had the roster there and you know, we're trying to figure out who everybody is, but they use nine pitchers in nine innings and now i think they're starting their closer tonight tyler rogers so if they do this again <laughs> i mean you know we're gonna be gasping for air trying to figure out who's out there and who's playing seriously keeping score last night i mean no offense to the giants i'm like who are these guys no i know and actually they had some pretty good arms that they brought in there right i mean there were a couple that i mean we knew gosman and anderson and smiley and 
Tony Watson and, you know, then Sean Anderson came in late. But yeah, there were two or three guys that you're right. It was a little bit of, you know, who are these guys for sure? Have a great call. We'll be listening. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. The great Ken Korak, the voice of summer right here on A's Cast Live. Why is Pablo Sandoval playing first base? I don't know, but he had not Get Farhan on the line. Why, 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 why is he even there? Well, Belt, if you're rebuilding, why do you even have Pablo Sandoval on your team? Well, Belt and Longoria, uh, Belt and Longoria are not going to be ready. I don't think for their opening game against the Dodgers. How are they not ready? What, 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 how? Well, Belt was walking around in a walking boot. I want to say so. Maybe this is maybe next year's year. Brandon Belt finally breaks out at age 32. That's going to be his prime year. Yeah. Hey, do you want some news though on on, on uh, AJ Puck? To ju- this just came out. Uh, uh, don't do not. I can't take any bad news. Well, I don't know. I, I take it as a as a good news in a way. Bob Melvin says uh, AJ Puck had a cortisone injection, takes a few days off, and then begins a slow ramp up. So it looks like he'll be out for at least two weeks. Yeah. I'm 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 starting to get worried. And then I don't, I don't I don't mean to be Debbie Downer, but you're talking about a kid who had Tommy John surgery. And then now you're talking about shoulder. There are just some guys that struggle to stay healthy. And I'm starting to worry about that with, with AJ Puck. Yeah, it's it looks like uh it looks like a lot of people think like Martin saying uh, Bob Melvin said he'll be out quite a few weeks, but there is good news. Matt Kawahara from the Chronicle saying that Melvin said Jesus Lazardo is expected to open with the team and be ready to pitch in relief in early games. So I'm telling you, I I I, I like the role. Me too. I think it's great. I mean, you and I, I'm God, I'm starting to think like you. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> the whole thing about bringing in this guy that can just dominate and get you to the back of your bullpen, you know, the bridge guy to the bridge guy is now becoming so, I mean, think of like what Andrew Miller was at one point oh, with the Cleveland Indians. He was so good. Right? And he didn't have to close out games. He could come in in the fifth or the sixth. Like, when they were in the postseason, like, he was, you know, what, what they call him, the Kraken? I mean, you'd bring him in, and he'd dominate the middle of the game to the end of the game. I mean, that guy is so valuable now. As much as we like, uh, it's a starting pitcher, let's just say Mike Fires goes four, Jesus Lazardo goes four, and that leads to Liam Hendricks. I mean, it's a dominating combination. I mean, I, 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 I'm really, I'm buying into these middle innings having a dominant guy there. Because let's face it, if you start Jesus Lazardo right now, he's giving you what? What's he going to give you? You don't really know. That's the thing. Three, four, yeah. maybe. So why not just bring him in later in games? Why? And 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 if I, how many times can I throw him a week? What if I pitch him one or two innings? I could pitch this kid three times a week, four times a week. I think so. I mean, that a- that's that's who that's it, it, that's who's going to be valuable. The best ability is availability, and if I can get Jesus Cesardo pitching critical innings multiple times a week, that's more valuable than starting him every five days, because. You start him every five days, what's going to happen? You're going to baby him. His pitch count, like if he walks anybody, we're going to be looking at his pitch count. Oh, my God, he's at 70 pitches. you got to take him out. 
I'd rather bring him in a couple times a week out of the bullpen. Uh, well, I'm glad you're finally starting to embrace what I've been been saying for a while. I think that he, if you want to not, you want to get him stressed out a little bit, have him come in as a reliever, piggybacking, whatever you want to do, or be like Andrew Miller. God, if he's anything like Andrew Miller was <laughs> with the Indians. Or they, Hater. Well, Hater's another guy. Uh, he's he's on a whole nother level. But I, I, I have, I have uh, mixed feelings on Hater and his uh, his throwing motion and the torque and uh, on his the way he throws and how long that's going to last. Tim Lindsay comes on line one, but uh, if you could be one like one of those guys, or if you could be a guy just like um, Calvin Herrera was, or Wade Davis was for Greg Holland in Kansas City, uh, it's that's a very scary bullpen. Give him like two innings, like every other day. That'd be, you know what? That would be incredible. Say okay. Every other day, you're gonna you're gonna pitch the let's just call it the seventh and eighth inning. Think about that. So now you're saying to yourself, "I just got to get to Jesus Lazardo because Jesus Lazardo is gonna go seven eight. Liam goes the ninth, and Liam can take the ball every day for God's sakes. He's got he's got a rubber arm. You imagine that every other day. So. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Jesus Cesardo's coming in. He's pitching the seventh and the eighth. No matter what's going on. What do you think of that? Or you can even be even more bold with it if we want to be like that because we know how many uh, multiple inning saves that Josh Hader has. Why not go starter five innings, Lazardo two innings, Liam two innings. Good luck beating that that uh, starting pitcher. I don't want to burn Liam out, though, because I, I, I got a feeling that if the A's are good, which, knock on wood, um, cross your fingers, Liam's going to pitch in a lot of games. And we will be talking to the A's closer coming up here at 5 o'clock. But that's why I think, Liam, if you want to talk about MVP, my MVP was Matt Olson. That was my pick. But that's when I thought we were playing like 120 games or whatever it was. What did we think originally was going to be? Like a well, we heard 120, right? and then it was 80-something, and then it was 60, yeah. then it was 54. It went, we went all over the place, but originally they thought we were, we were thinking it was going to be 120. Now that we're at 60, I think my leader in the clubhouse now is Liam. I mean, Liam Hendricks could literally save, I don't know, 30 games? Right? I mean, realistically, 60 games, he appears in half of them. Well, he's going to appear in more than that. But if he gets 30 saves, that's – uh, well, the way he put it um, is 30 sa- every save is three saves. So, technically, he would have 90 saves in a 162-game season, which uh, – sorry, K-Rod, that would shatter your record if that really happened. So, wait till you hear Liam Hendricks at 5 o'clock. He's like, you hit one home run, it's like hitting three. You lose a game or win a game, it's like three. Everything's in threes now. So you get a save, it's like three saves. That's how he's looking at it, and that's how these guys are looking at it. And I don't know how the voters will see it, but like 15 home runs will be a lot of home runs. But that number is so low, I don't know if the voters will be like, hey, the guy had 15 home runs. I mean, I, I you know, that's why I think the, the, the bullpen numbers are going to be outstanding. There's going to be a couple guys who just go off the charts 
and they're pitching in like 30-something games. So, like, Liam Hendricks has 24 saves and four wins and a one-point-something. I mean, how's he not going to get MVP votes? I could totally see that happening. Just think about how crazy the idea is that we're talking about a – and no, and just the idea of a closer winning the MVP again in 2020 when we, we – you know, that's how important – that's how important relievers and bullpens have become in baseball. We saw that what last year would have been the – Almost the first time that relievers ERA was higher than a starters starters ERA. That just shows you how much the teams are using bullpens. The Rays are good, great at it. The the Brewers are great at it. Uh, Fangraphs re- released their rankings for the for the bullpens this year, and they the way they did it was they they did it off of team WAR, and they had the the Rays one, Yankees two, Brewers three, the Mets. I don't understand how the Mets are four. Uh, if anyone watched last year, Edwin Diaz stunk. Um, he couldn't save games for them. Seth Lugo was okay. Uh, Generous Familia, former A, wasn't very good. So I don't get how they're fourth. Padres five. Kirby Yates was unreal last year, and they got Emilio Pagan in that trade from the, the Rays, and then the A's were sixth in bullpen rankings. So I think if you add Lazardo to that mix, their bullpen ranking goes up, especially to start the year. I think, it, I think they're, they're ahead of the Mets. They're probably ahead of the Padres. AJ Puck, by the way, when he comes back, I'm not starting him. He's going to the bullpen. Yeah, do what you did. Do what they did last year with him when he came yeah, up against the like, Yankees. Like until he can prove he can stay healthy, I'm just going to have him. I'm going to have him on a limited basis. I'm going to try and get every bullet out of that arm, and I, I can't start him. That's that that that's pushed back till next year. By the way, is Eric Gagne the last closer to win the Cy Young Award? That's correct. The last guy to finish in the top three, I believe, was K Rod the year he broke the saves record, and I think Blake Trout in the year he had a, he had the un- unbelievable year in twenty eighteen. He finished like sixth in the Cy Young voting, if I'm not mistaken, from twenty eighteen. But the last guy to win the Cy and the MVP has got to be Eck. It was Eck, yeah, in eight, uh, what ninety two, ninety one. I think it was ninety two. Let me, I'll, I'll pull it up, but I want to say it was ninety. Uh, by the way, I just looked it up, Gagne. In 2003, totally steroided out, had 55 saves. He finished 67 games. He was good. Those he had a great run with a, with a 1.20 ERA. <laughs> oh my God, he was so on steroids. Yeah, 92 uh, Eck won the uh, AL MVP. Barry Bonds, the NL MVP that year. Then I think or the who? For the who? The Pittsburgh Pirates. Yay. Oh. He was on a run of winning it like three out of How'd four that work years. Out? How'd that work out for the Pirates? Um, we don't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> the guy, last guy to do it before, obviously before Eck did it, was uh, Willie Hernandez with the Detroit Tigers the year they won the World Series. Well, they start 35-5 and five that year. So 35-5, and five, the 84 Tigers. Coming up next, it's the face of the franchise. Ray Fossey, who is going to be on the call tonight, not television, but on radio and streaming. He'll join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the line. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. He's in the lineup tonight, batting second, playing center field. Great to have the rifle back in center. 
the great Ray Fossey will join us in moments. But, Commander, you have a trivia question. We need to give away. What are we giving away? So we have, we're going to give away three MLB prize packs. Now, we did this earlier. I think it was last year we gave them away. We got these before. We, I, got, I got alerted about these from MLB Network leading up to the season before the pandemic. So we got sent some of these prize packs to give away. And we are going to give away three of them today. You can respond to the answer to this trivia question to at AthleticsCast24 on Twitter. So you have to do it via Twitter. And then I'll respond to the winners via DM, as they say, sliding into the DMs. But, You're going to slide into some DMs? But for a good reason, not a bad reason. And what, then, what's in the prize pack? That's a great question. I haven't seen them, so I don't know what's actually in there. That's why I couldn't tweet out a picture. But I'm sure it's a T-shirt and the little foam fingers and the cup and all that stuff that's in there. But we, I love my MLB Network prize pack. So, so the question is, and it's very easy. If you watch the game, they showed this person on TV last night. We, you mentioned the great Dick Hallahan is not going to be the PA announcer this year. So the question is, who was the PA announcer last night at the Oakland Coliseum? Now, opening day is Friday, and MLB Network celebrates the reunion of the return of baseball and the start of the 2020 season by bringing you over 14 hours of opening day games and coverage, plus more games throughout opening week and live look-ins and analysis from TV's best baseball analysts on MLB Network. Baseball returns beginning July 24th Friday and Friday on MLB Network. So respond at AthleticsCast24. Who was the PA announcer last night at the <laughs> Oakland Coliseum? I have the best baseball analyst on right now. He's the <laughs> – we're not going to play his open because it's not hump day. It's Tuesday. That's right. Two-time World Series champion, two-time Rawlings Gold Glove winner, two-time All-Star, the face of the franchise, the great Ray Fossey is with us here as we get you ready for the A's and the Giants. Foss, I can't tell you how great it was to see you on TV last night. Well, I hope – did you hear my comment about uh, the PA announcer for – since Dick Callahan's not coming back, and I said the great Chris Townsend – is going to end his career at 2-0. and He's not coming back. Did you hear that? Of course I did, and you are correct. I, I'm 2-0, right. and, and I, I'm going out undefeated. I, I Listen, when you told me that, I, I was I, I just jumped right in. I said, Townie's not going to do it. The great Townie's not going to do it. He's 2-0, and he's going to end right there. But, no, it was uh, it was a little bit different last night, uh, obviously, and it's going to be even more different tonight as I'm sitting in the booth right now and I have this huge monitor with a whole bunch of screens on it. And I have a, another monitor that's going to be the, um, the, I guess, the monitor for the, for the actual game. But it is going to be interesting. As I look to my right, and I see Ken Korak. And to his right, I see Vince Catronio. And we will broadcast tonight's game right here. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I hope they don't turn out the lights. I mean, I hope they turn some auxiliary lights on or something. Because, you know, it's going to be a little scary being in here just uh, – just the three of us and Michael Barrett, our engineer, and that's going to be it. But it's going to be it's going to be good. Uh, last night, I thought, under the circumstances, with nobody in the stands, they did a tremendous job. The A's did of uh, piping in the music, of course, and then the. I actually I have a double ear flap, uh, so I can't hear unless I take it off. Uh, but I took it off a couple of times just to hear what they were piping in when the A's were hitting, et cetera. And it was great to hear the drums played in right field. 
and and various things happening. And it was pretty much in sync with uh, with everything that was going on. And I was impressed uh, and seeing the, the cutouts and all that stuff. It, it was a little bit different, but still it's baseball. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. Speaking of cutouts, all of us have done modern day pictures of our cutouts. Uh, and what I saw <laughs> last night is like Ray Fossey from 1973 or 74. Why not, Tony? Come on. You know, I mean, I wanted people to see what I really looked like that long ago, you know, with the long hair and the dark hair and dark mustache. And <laughs> in, in my stance, you know, Doug McWilliams did a great job of uh, taking the photograph and I choose, I, I wanted to show it. So, you know, sitting next to Vine, I didn't know where they were going to put it, but it was behind the MLB people. And uh, uh, of course, Tommy Hansel, a great director for NBC Sports California, along with the Laird Boers, our producer, you know, they found it and uh, they were showing the different ones, but, uh, as I look out over the stadium now, I can see even more. And I think we're going to see a lot more as the season progresses where the, the people will get involved with the cutouts and they'll keep putting them out there. But yeah, I, I decided to go that route. Um, you know, uh, I've been broadcasting a heck of a lot longer than I was a player, but sometimes I like to think about what it was like to be a player. And uh, even though when I wake up in the morning, I have no clue how I did it because the way I feel physically. But, you know, it, it was great just to... Uh, Say, hey, that's it. Hey, remember Doug McWilliams, great photographer back in the 70s. He did it for Tops. He donated all of his still uh, photos. And Doug was one of the last photo uh, photographers to, to do head and shoulders. So the Hall of Fame and various uh, sports publications, you know, sure, you can see the action shots, but Doug had all the stills of the head and shoulders. And I think that's what set him aside. And uh, I, th I thought it was appropriate. That's the one I'm going to bring out, and uh, Doug did a great job. And the green and gold and the long hair and the dark hair, hey, what's wrong with that? Love it. Go to athletics.com <laughs> slash cutouts. That's athletics.com slash cutouts as we're adding more cutouts. And as you guys talked about on the broadcast last night, it was funny, like dogs and cats. And <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, you knew Tony LaRusso was going to get involved with ARF. You know, you yeah. knew that was going to be a part of it. and. And, you know, on the other side, which I thought was very impressive, that uh, Mike Piscotti, uh, the father of Stephen, and, of course, they lost their mother to ALS. They're having a section. So I think people can donate money and give a, have a cardboard cutout, and the money will go to the ALS Foundation, which the Piscottis have started in honor of their mother. So I, I think that's special in itself. And, and, you know, speaking of Piscotti, how about him coming back last night? He would not have been on the active roster if the season had started normally. And, and granted, I think, as he has said before, he would have loved to seen the season start on time and he being on the IL to get ready. But as it turns out, and as Bob Melvin commented, he thought he would look like he's a midseason form or at least great shape. And he hit the home run that just kept carrying, made a couple of great plays in right field. And there are some, and not just with the A's, but throughout baseball, who benefited from the time off to be able to get healthy. And I, I think in that respect, they are happy to be able to have done that. But I think in, in general, they would have all liked to have seen baseball start back in, in late March and, and be, you know, into four months of the season by now. But at least we have baseball. It was great to see it last night, as I mentioned to you earlier. And uh, we'll do it again tonight. So we'll, we'll start it for real on Friday. And uh, it's going to be baseball. And I think that's the most important thing. What was the uh, shortest season you ever played in? Well, it, you know, Tony, I was, uh, as I mentioned, and have talked to you about being a player representative in 1972. Uh, that one was, was not that 
derailed. I mean, we, we lost a few games and settled. But the 1994, when they canceled the end of the season and all postseason, no World Series and all that, as a broadcaster, that was devastating. I was a player, but, but that was devastating to have a season end and know that there would be no October baseball, no, no World Championship uh, team to be honored in 94. And, and then that was tough. And then that carried on into 1995 uh, with the replacement players a little bit. But uh, from a player standpoint, I was fortunate, even though we had some work stoppages, to me, they were worthwhile because we were, we were doing it for a reason. And not to say that the players feel that what they're doing now is, is not for a reason, but I, I think it was much different because we had nothing then. It was totally uh, ownership, and the players had nothing. And Marvin Miller, the uh, actually now the Hall of Fame uh, uh, representative for us on the uh, player side, he, he would have gone in this uh, this July, late July, but they canceled that. So, uh, but but he was good in in getting the players back to somewhat of normalcy with regard to uh, where they stand. But uh, you know, baseball is so profitable for both players and the owners. There should never ever be a work stoppage, and there's not been one since '94. And let's hope and pray that by the end of the 21 season, when they have their next CBA expiration, that they can can continue without any hesitation with this great game of baseball, because it's been great for both sides. Yeah. I think you and I need to get on a plane uh, and, and, and go meet with these people. Cause I actually, uh, I was on a couple all-star teams with Tony Clark back in the day in San Diego. And we Foss, yeah. you and I should sit down at the table and look at, look at Manfred and look at Tony Clark and go, what are you guys doing here? I mean, like, exactly. like, like if we could go back to 94 and look at all the participants and go, do you realize how stupid you were to cancel the season and the World Series and how you hurt your – I mean, this is your business. You're basically flushing your business down the toilet. What are you doing? You know, I agree 100%. And, and you know, we've talked also how we thought, everybody thought that there was an agreement when uh, Tony Clark and uh, Rob Manford met in Arizona, went face-to-face, and with all the social media – it's the email, the text messages. You know, you go face to face and just exactly what you're saying. Get across the table, hammer it out and say, basically, I'm not going to bed. You're not going to bed until we get some sort of agreement so we can get go on forward with this great game of baseball. Tony, this game of baseball is to, so good. And, and, you know, there would never be a survey, but I would love to find out how many people enjoyed baseball in 94. But when that strike occurred, how many said, I'll never watch baseball again? That's been a long time. But I would venture to say there are some people who have never come back to this game of baseball. And we, we saw what happened with Cal Ripken Jr. and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire kind of bringing it back. But I'm sure there's still people. Because look at Montreal by itself. The, the people in Montreal, they may have won the World Series. Uh, they had such a great team in Montreal. And when they canceled the season, and then all of a sudden, you know, they disbanded pretty much, so players went elsewhere. I'm sure a lot of those Canadians would never watch baseball again. But uh, it's too good of a game. And as I look out over this great field, again, as we talked last night, you know, this is what, what America is about to me because baseball is something that everybody always believed as a child. Uh, I, I know you and Cody. I know you played, and I'm sure Cody played along the line and said, you yeah, know, I can do that. I can play baseball. Everybody dreams about being a professional baseball player or being able to be a great baseball player because it, it looks simple. It's a hard game but it does look like it's a possibility because to me, it's a bunch of individual players making up a team. You work together as a team. If I don't succeed, you pick me up and let's go on and, and try to win this thing. And, and that's what makes baseball so great. And that's why 
anytime there's any sort of negotiations and, and negative about the game, it just means that some people say, I've had enough. We don't need that in this great game of baseball. We do not need it because to me, it's still, it's what the old Chevrolet uh, apple pie and baseball. I mean, it, it's still, it's still a great game. It always will be. And let's just hope uh, both sides. So w- when you make the flight arrangements and I'll join you, buddy, we'll take yeah, Cody along as well. We'll, we'll take going, Cody along. We're going to New York and we're going to rattle some cages. Uh, yeah. Since, since I'm not allowed at the ballpark, you know, the one thing that I'm, I'm, I'm wondering is about the baseball. Because clearly, like Michael Baird, our great engineer, had a baseball from like five years ago. So we compared mm-hmm. they were com- the baseball from five years ago to last year, completely different. The ball's different. Can you yeah. find out? What, are, are we still dealing with the same baseball as last year? Are the seams now higher again, less friction? Just, I, I'm really curious to see what, what ball we're playing with. Did you see Piscotti's home run? There's a fly ball to left field back to the one. It's gone. Yeah. You know, that ball just kept carrying. I, I watched batting practice counting. The ball was jumping out of here. So, you know, the, the, the sad part is that if they did it in a regular season and postseason, Granted, you're facing the best pitchers in baseball, and maybe you don't have the opportunity to hit home runs, but I think they're looking at the same baseball that they had last year. Now, to your point about what Michael Baird said, Blake Trinan, when he was with the A's last year, he said, man, I'd love to look at a baseball in the past because this one just feels hard as a rock. And I said, Blake, I've got one. So I went in my office. I got a baseball that was maybe three or four years old, and I could tell because whenever I've been asked to sign an autograph, which I'm always – Please, whenever people ask me, it, it's hard to write on. It's hard to write on the baseball. But the baseball that I had that I showed Blake, you, you know, you could see some indentation in the leather. kind of gave a little bit when you wrote into the baseball with your signature. It's very hard to do that with the baseball I saw last year. I, to be honest, have not seen one this year. But watching the ball fly last night as it did during batting practice and the way the ball carried during the game, whether as, as Slater hit a couple of balls that, in right center, it looked like they were going to be a can of corn, routine fly balls. They go to the wall. And so I think something's going on with the baseball because people like offense. And if that's the case, then so be it. But if a pitcher cannot grip the baseball and make the pitches that he wants, you know what I would do? Now they, They're allowing them to put a rag in their back pocket to avoid having to touch a rosin bag. I would put some substance on that to stick them so that if I'm a hitter, you use whatever you want to. I don't want that, that ball to get away from you and hit me because you can't grip it properly. But I think it is a different baseball, and I think to some degree it it really affects, I think a big degree, it affects the way the ball travels and the way the offense has really come alive. And maybe that's why you have the launch angles and guys hitting home runs because, man, with the way the ball carries, why not? Well, all I know is I was at Heritage Park in Cleveland, and you were telling me there was nothing on the baseball when Gaylord Perry was out there pitching. (laughs) Oh, no, there wasn't. <laughs> but it did funny things. It, it did funny things, didn't it? <laughs> you know, and it, as, as a great Gaylord, I would say, my partner, he, he had that North Carolina, he said, my partner, he said, I just I just threw what my partner called. You know what that's <laughs> But, but, <laughs> but it, it was, I tell you what, you talk about a competitor, man. He, he was top of the list. And uh, we were talking last night when the DH and, of course, how it's going to be universal. And, you know, counting something to talk about because Pablo Sandoval is a DH in San Francisco tonight. But, you know, the good thing for Chris Davis, he does not have to play in the field even when the A's play 
in the National League parks. And it's going to be something in the future. And I've always felt, and people don't like to hear me say this, but they call the American League the junior circuit. And they say that the National League, because they did not want the, the DH and the American League did, they would never agree to have the DH because the American League had it first. But I think we're going to see that. But I, I think it's going to be beneficial because, you know, you as a pitcher, when you pitched, and let's say you had the eighth and ninth place hitters, the ninth place being a pitcher, you know, you basically were facing seven guys in the lineup. Now the National League pitchers are going to have to face nine hitters versus taking the easy on the eighth place hitter. That eighth place hitter has to be disciplined uh, in the net, well, prior to this year and, and perhaps even in the future because, you know, if you know the pitcher is up next and they're not going to pinch it, why would you pitch to him? And so, you know, he may take a walk. He may swing at a pitch out of the strike zone. Uh, but, it, but it's a little bit different. But I think now with the universe of DH, it's going to change the game to the point that, uh, you know, as I said last night, my score sheet, my scorebook is going to be very much, uh, it's going to be a lot nicer because yeah. I didn't like to go to the National League Parks and double switches and all the, all the stuff going on. It was a mess, you know. So this way, <laughs> it, 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 will, it will be just like in the American League, which, uh, you know, put nine players in. And really, I, I think two counting, you, you take a pitcher, while he may be disappointed that he doesn't get to hit, Gaylord Perry, and again, I've talked about this before, in 72 before the DH, he had 40 starts, 342 innings of a possible 360 if you look at the nine times of the 40 starts that he had. But the thing is, let's say in the seventh inning, a tie game, sixth inning, pitcher's out. They're going to take him out, put a pinch hitter in. Well, now, if a pitcher's pitching well, stand in National League Park, he can stand again. Say Clayton, Clayton Kershaw, who loved to hit anyway, but, you know, let's, let's take a pitcher who is not a good hitter, but he's a good pitcher. Then, you know, he's going to stay in the game because he does not have to come out because the DH is being employed. So I think it's going to benefit the National League from that regard. But I think it's also going to pay, play a little bit different was with regard to nine hitters in the lineup versus seven, maybe count eight if you want the eighth place hitter. But definitely most pitchers don't hit. How well did you hit, Tony, as a pitcher? Uh, my career high school average uh, was 449. Well, that's bad because everybody hit over 500, so that's terrible. So, <laughs> hey, I led all of San Diego in doubles too. I was a I was an OPS <laughs> machine. By the way, Ray, you think about DH and how it extends the careers of great players. I think of like that's your right. teammate, Reggie Jackson or George Brett or Paul Molitor, Dave Winfield, the Cobra Dave Parker. It extends guys because you know what? You know, you may not be able to play in the field, but you can still rake and still hit. So, that, I mean, I've always thought it was a joke when I hear nationally people go, that's not real baseball. We have the DH in high school. We got it in junior college, regular college, minor leagues. Everybody has the DH but the National League. So I think that's ridiculous. And by the way, you're very humble. I have been on the road with you and the A's. People wait in the lobby to get your autograph when you come off the bus. <laughs> well, that's very kind of you. But, you know, the, the, the one true. thing about – well, but, you know, there are pitchers who can't hit. And, and being in the American League, as I have throughout my career as a player and a broadcaster, and especially now as a broadcaster, to see that whenever, again, prior to this year where they're going to have the DH, to watch the hitters get excited, but all they can do is go up in the cage. And last year with Mike Aldretti, the assistant hitting coach, he would flip to them and they could swing. Because they're so concerned that if a pitcher, as a hitter, Swings too hard, he could hurt his oblique. And uh, was it Chingming Wong or somebody um, tore both ha both uh, Achilles 
running the bases. I mean, it, it's really terrible if you think about it. And that's why, you know, even you, you want to save a, a player, sometimes you put a pitcher in the pinch run. Why would you do that and take a chance of him hurting himself? But I, I think the DH is going to be very good for baseball because if people want offense, they're going to get offense, and especially in the National League. And be a purist, I don't care. I just think it's something that, uh, like you said, if you, if, I've talked to guys who say, uh, I say, when's the last time you hit? I said, I've never had a bat in my hand. And you're right. In, in amateur baseball, all the way through the college, they don't, they get in the minor leagues, they don't. And then to get in the big leagues, the National League Park, they have to hit. What do they practice on? Bunting. And you just hope and pray that there's somebody on base. I don't care, one out, definitely not two, but one out or nobody out, they're up there to sacrifice, get a runner over, and get him back in the dugout unhurt so he doesn't have to worry about anything except pitching. And I think that's where it's going to be beneficial. If I were a pitcher in the National League, I would be ecstatic about the DH coming into the National League because, you know, secretly I could say, you know, I get to stay in the game if I'm pitching well instead of having to come out. How frustrating it has to be. And again, you as a pitcher, to have to come out of a game pitching well, but because it's a tie game or you're trading by run and you have to come out instead of staying in the game. And I think that's why Gaylord in 1972 was 24 and 16 because he stayed in those games in which they were close and maybe we were trailing by a run, but he stayed in because he was pitching so well and maybe ended up getting a victory or losing a game by one run. But I think it's going to be beneficial for baseball. You know, we, we, we've been uh, throwing this around and Ray, I really think relievers are going to be so valuable in this yeah. 60 game to where I think we could see, you know, let's just take Liam Hendricks. If he has yeah. X amount of saves and wins, he could be the MVP. I think that, I think it's realistic that uh, an MVP may, a, a reliever may be the MVP, but one guy Cody and I were talking about, if Jesus Lozardo kind of has the role that he had last year where he comes in yeah. after a starter and he can pitch multiple times in a week, just how valuable is an electric arm like that when you can throw it more than once every five days? Well, look at Dennis Eckersley. When Tony La Russa put him in the bullpen, he said that exact same thing. He said, I'd rather have you available to close a game pitching an inning versus having you as a starter and using you basically once every five days or maybe once a week. But I agree with you. But, you know, Tony, along those lines with, with Lazardo uh, evidently testing positive, he had to delay. And now you see A.J. Puck is out. Uh, who knows? And let's hope he's back sooner than later. But the depth of this starting staff, you look at Daniel Mingan, who was not going to be available to start the season, and he steps in in the place of Puck, and it looks like Bassett's going to step in. Well, he is in, in, in place of Lazardo. So what Jesus can do, I agree with you. There's no limit on the innings because it's a shortened season this year. But that may be a utilization of somebody to come out of the bullpen. And you're right. The way he did it last year, coming in in Houston with his, his debut, blew those guys away. I mean, it was electric to see that. And because he is so good, he doesn't have to throw that many pitches. And he can go multiple innings. So you have him. You have Petit from the right side. You know, you have these guys that you can utilize. And, and be able to use them more than maybe just once every fifth day. But I think the depth of the ball club is already showing that it could be there. But, you know, the case last night, Tony, did we talk about the possibility of uh, the opening night starter and who it might be, Frankie Montas, because he's throwing 100? Can you imagine an Angels hitter facing him Friday night and what they're going to have to do to change their approach? Because intra-squad games are good. The sim games are good. And you've noticed that with this uh, second spring training, 
that there have been more of those games played at the beginning versus later, like they do in spring training, where they'll play maybe an inter-squad game uh, once or twice and then start the exhibition season. Well, they've done it now earlier, or they did it earlier, because I think they wanted the players to face live pitching to be able to get their bats started a much quicker than what they do in spring training. But I still say that if you have someone like Frankie Montas who can throw 90 to 100 miles an hour consistently, I think that's going to be beneficial for him and for the athletics because as good as the Angels' offense is going to be, maybe maybe not Anthony Rendon because of his rib cage may not be able to play. But with Trout and Pujols, Otani, I mean, Upton, they've got a very, very good lineup. But you could really take advantage of that lineup for having somebody like Montas throw. And you look at what he did in September coming off that 80-game suspension. He made that start against the Angels. And he was electric. And I think he's going to be that way. He learned a lesson. And uh, I think more power to him that he was able to do it. But uh, I think a hard thrower at the beginning is going to be very, very good for the athletics. But the depth is there. Lazardo coming out of the bullpen could be outstanding. And then finish with Liam Hendricks. There's so many options that Bob Melvin and Scott Emerson are going to have coming into the season. It's going to be good. You know, the thing is, too, is the fact that these games are now on television it's yeah, kind of yeah. it's kind of giving the players a little adrenaline back. It's just not some, you know, hey, we're playing some sim game. You know, once you put this thing on television and they know they're on TV, kind of gets the juices flowing. You know, you're right. I, I agree with you 100 percent. And, you know, along those lines, I think you're going to see the producers and directors of all the teams. For example, the 10 teams that the A's are going to be part of on the Western. They're, they're all working together to make sure that, you know, as we do this game tonight, we're going to have different feeds. And whenever the team goes on the road and we're televising from here at the Coliseum, we're going to be able to have, I think the Larry Lewis said, we'll have a designated camera for us. But you're right, you know, from a player standpoint, because now all of a sudden they're going to be highlights. They're going to be able to go home and watch this. They can look at the archive of the game and watch themselves. And, you know, there is that added incentive even though people might not be in the stands, they know that the game is being televised. And the fact that this is a worldwide game, as you know, Tony, that people around the world can pick up games. If they're traveling or if they're stationed someplace or they're living someplace, they can go on an app and watch a game live. So this is a worldwide game. And I agree with you 100% when it comes to those players showing their ability, it's going to be great. And the fact that they have to get out of the gate quickly. Did you hear my? Did you hear Glenn last night talking about a five-game losing streak in normal season? Is <laughs> I mean that's scary if you think about it. You know, you you talk about pressure out of the gate. You know, from from the standpoint of uh, trying to get off to a good start between the team, which you want to think about, but individually, I mean, it is something. It's almost kind of fun to think about how these players are going to approach this season, starting Friday night for the A's and Thursday night for what four teams. A couple of games are going to start, but, uh, you know, it's going to be fun. But, man, you're spot on when you're talking about the television. And, uh, you know, the ratings should be outstanding because people can't watch the games at the park. So they're they're going to be tuned in. And uh, I, I think it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, last night I was like, this is no big deal. But if this is a regular season game and you're losing, I'm panicking. I mean, because it's like three yeah, losses. Yeah. One loss is like three losses. It's like – I mean, you can't you can't have any type of bad run. If you have any type of bad run, Foss, your season's done. No, you're right. And as we talked before, Tony, when it comes to August 31st, 
those teams that get off to the slow start and, and somebody, you know, somebody's got to lose, you know, if the 15 games played daily, somebody's going to lose, obviously. But, you know, you, you, it's going to be interesting to see what happens on August 31st. I think you mentioned about the, the trading line and maybe dumping of some salaries if teams don't believe that they can contend in September and, and into October. But, you know, it is going to change quite a bit. But, you know, that word sprint is being used, and I don't think it's ever been used as much as it is this year when you think about the season starting on the uh, the 24th of July. County, in all my years in baseball, and it's been great, I have to, to say that opening night, July the 24th, you know, <laughs> you, know you can't even imagine that, that it's, that it's happening that way. But, you know, fortunately, the commissioner and baseball got together and uh, said we are going to play some baseball. And, and, and the, the great thing that I've seen and been able to read and hear, as you have, is the excitement of the players the manager, the coaches, it's like it's mid-season and, and they're, they're starting up and they're doing things they have to do to get ready for the shortened season. So I think it's going to be great. But again, I agree with you. Uh, every game is so important, whereas, you know, you could lose 10 in a row during the regular season, win 10 in a row and you're even, not in a 60-game schedule. You cannot afford to do that. You can't afford to, to lose any. Hey, by the way, Tony, I'm sitting at the Coliseum and I said it last night. The strange thing is to look down at the dugouts to see tents above the visiting and the home dugout and down to the bullpen because there are players sitting there, you know, during the game because there's only so much room where players can sit in the dugout. And to see players sitting in the stands like that, of course there's nobody in the stands except the cutouts. <laughs> but, but, but looking last night, and I said, look, those guys are loosening up in the stands. You know, here's the you know, guys running in the aisles of the stands. And there was one Giants player last night was up yes. in the upper concourse. You, you showed that guy just walking around. Yeah. Yeah. He, he must have been a pitcher, knew he wasn't going to start or get in the game because he was wandering online like, hey, this is an empty stadium. I'll do my exercises, running steps, and do whatever. But, but you know, it, it's strange, but it's still great to see baseball back. And, uh, you know, again, I'm looking at all these monitors of uh, the Giants stadium, and while it is empty, the A's are getting ready to start their batting practice. And, you know, I've got all these monitors. I don't know what I'm going to be looking at, to be honest, with uh, with Ken Advance, but it, it's going to be fun to uh, to do the games. And, you know, I thought the, the guys in the truck did a tremendous job last night um, producing, directing, and um, doing all the stats on the game last night against the Giants. And looking forward to a, a great season with NBC Sports Bay Area, NBC Sports California, that is, the Bay Area on the other side. But uh, looking forward to it. And, Gonna be, it's going to be fun. Hey, hey by the way, Tony, too, I'm looking at a monitor. It shows Giants with a bullpen out in left field and right field. How about that? Wow. Something new. Something new. They actually really put bullpens in there after and, – and looking down the right and left field line, there are no bullpens in play, uh, which is – I always said when we went over there, they forgot to put them in. And they did, actually. <laughs> oh, we need a bullpen. And that's why all, all the players had to sit on, sit on the bench. And, and my suggestion was to, to put them out in the triples alley. And, and looking at it, uh, of course, they have the brick wall. They had to go to the left of that. But, uh, yeah, their bullpens are out there. And uh, while it uh, still is a poke to hit a home run, at least they're out there beyond um, the playing area. And you don't have to – somebody got hurt. Uh, was it Mac Williamson? Uh, ran into the bullpen in San Francisco because it was so close to the field. And I think he hurt himself. Uh, this is a year or two ago, but they don't have to worry about that now in San Francisco, but uh, I'll make sure I mention that tonight for sure. Cause I always like to do that. Ray, I will talk to you <laughs> in about an hour. 
I look forward to it, Tony. You're a good man. Cody, how's Cody doing? Everything good with Commander? How you doing, Cody? I'm good, Ray. And it's it was uh, great to see you and hear you guys on TV last night. I'm looking forward to hearing you on Ace Cast tonight with Ken and Vince. So uh, enjoy. Well, don't the pregame, Ace Total Access. Ray will join me. That's true. Second, yeah, se- second segment. We got it all. We've got it all, Tony. And I love it. I enjoy talking to you. And, uh, Cody, I know you guys. You guys do a great job over there. So just keep it going, and uh, baseball is back. And it was fun last night, fun tonight, but it starts for real on Friday. That's going to really, really be a lot of fun. Talk to you in an hour. Okay, my friend. Take care, buddy. The great Ray Fossey, face of the franchise. Up next, the former All-Star. Well, he's still an All-Star. Liam Hendricks, your closer, will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Some things just go together. Peanut butter and jelly. Cookies and milk. Oakland and Kaiser Permanente. If that last one caught you off guard, it shouldn't. Because Kaiser Permanente has been helping keep Oakland healthy since our very beginning. And as the official healthcare partner of the Oakland A's, that won't be changing anytime soon. Whatever you may need, you can trust Kaiser Permanente to help keep you feeling your best. Kaiser Permanente. Thrive. Visit kp.org today. You don't need to understand how available adaptive variable suspension works or how pre-collision cameras detect pedestrians in low light. You don't need to understand any of the craft that went into the Lexus ES to feel it. With outstanding connectivity and standard Lexus Safety System Plus 2.0, experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. LSS Plus 2.0 and the pre-collision system with pedestrian detection are not a substitute for safe and attentive driving practices. See owner's manual for additional limitations and details. COVID-19 is more than a health crisis. It's a financial crisis for many California families. In this moment, you shouldn't have to worry about keeping the lights on. That's why at PG&E, we want you to know about our programs to reduce bills for customers facing economic hardship, that we've suspended all disconnections because of non-payment, and we can help you save money by using less energy. To learn more, visit safetyactioncenter.pge.com. Where will you go first? Will it be familiar streets? Or perhaps unknown roads? Wherever you may go, Lexus will welcome you back with exceptional offers on exceptional vehicles. Find out all the ways a Lexus can be yours at Lexus.com. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This is Chris Townsend. If you're looking for a new mattress, look no further than my friends at nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. You'll get the ultimate mattress for your needs. And green and gold fans, right now, if you use the coupon code Oakland, you'll get 10% off your entire order. That's use the coupon Oakland to get an entire 10% off your order. Remember, nestbedding.com, America's favorite online mattress brand with stores around the Bay Area and around the country. You need a new mattress? You go to nestbedding.com. Hi, I'm Kathy Adams, president of the Oakland African-American Chamber of Commerce. As the impact of COVID-19 grows, OAACC believes it is important that the African-American community hears directly from us in regards to mitigation efforts you may enact it to reduce the risk to your family and loved ones. Recent data reveals African-Americans are dying from COVID-19 at disproportionate rates than other groups. Experts cite diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, and lung disease as factors. 
it is imperative that we institute safeguard measures listed on the OAACC website. We will be conducting virtual forums with African-American experts sharing how we must conduct ourselves during this pandemic. OAACC has taken up the mantle to be caretakers for our community. Visit us at oaacc.org. Hi, this is Sean Manaya. Sean Manaya has no hit the Red Sox. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. Yeah! Sean Manaya. Five innings yesterday, that was good to see. Well, if you've been listening to A's Cast Live for over a year now, you know that friend of the program is Liam Hendricks. He and Ray Fossey have been on Ace Cast Live the most. It's not even Cody. Is it even close? Is there anybody even close to Liam and Ray? Korak slowly climbing up the leaderboard, but I would say no. Uh, Player-wise, definitely, I don't think anyone's even close to Liam. Oh, I mean Liam. I mean, I can't tell you how many times Liam has just come over and put the headset on. <laughs> I mean, he loves to talk, and we love having him, and he's really a special guy. What he does for people off the field is really second to none. Um, Leon is a special, special person. And oh yeah, had 25 saves last year with a 1.80 ERA, and he was an all-star. Here is your all-star closer, Liam Hendricks. Well, it is always great to have the all-star on, and we know what, what kind of year it's going to be for him as he's going to be in a lot of these games. There's only 60 of them, but he's going to be in a lot of them. Liam Hendricks joins us here on A's Cast Live. How are you? We missed you. I've been good. Uh, just, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm getting ready for 60 games, uh, depending on how many I pitch in. It could be 60. It could be uh, however many. But, uh, yeah, I think we're going to rely pretty heavily on the bullpen to start off with. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to get the season underway. So this isn't crazy. To Cody and I have been talking about this, how potentially we could see a closer like yourself – uh, whoever's on a good team factor in, I don't know, in 30 of the 60 games, you know, when we think about the MVP, uh, Dennis Eckersley won an MVP, Raleigh fingers won an MVP. I could see someone like yourself having 20 something saves X amount of wins. I can see you factoring into a lot of games. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I think if, uh, if there's ever a time for a reliever to get uh, into the Cy Young or MVP or anything like that conversation, I think right now would be uh, about as good a, a good a year as you can do it. I mean, you're going to get guys into the possibility of 40 games, depending on how everything goes, because every game counts for three right now. So it's uh, no days off, that's for sure. By the way, you scared the hell out of me last night when you barehanded that ball. Oh, come on now. I grew up playing cricket. It's all good. <laughs> Whenever I see that, I go, oh, my God, don't break your hand. Please don't break your hand. Um, well, there's I, so much gold on the infield. I'm trying to get my own little page of history right there, you know? How just how great was it for you just to put the uniform on and get back out and play it? Well, it was really cool playing against someone that isn't our own team. <laughs> I mean, that was that was nice. I mean, it's, it's all well and good pitching against your own guys. You get a little bit of bragging rights here and there, but there's no real – kind of adrenaline rushes when you're going up against other people and especially when it's on TV because you have an opportunity to not make a fool of yourself and that's uh, that's about as good of a bonus as you can say. That was also was saying the other day, well, yesterday before the game, he's like, look, now everyone can see if I strike out. So I've got to not strike out and it counts for every strike. I counts for three of them now. So it's, 
we got to make sure we do all right. So the fact that the game was on television and you have, I mean, you have no fans. So obviously that's going to be weird, but the fact that the game was on television, that gave you, that you think that gave everybody a little juice. Uh, the game was on TV. The game was against the giants. And you always want to do well against those. Just the, uh, the city rivalry going on. But I mean, if you squint really hard, those cutouts look actually pretty real. So other than the fact that we've got the, we've got all of MLB network analysts sitting in the same section, which is never going to happen. Oh man, it's great. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of, yeah. They're, 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 I, I guess I've watched so much of the Korean baseball league that I'm used to no fans now, but yeah, it was kind of like odd uh, the camera angle. And of course you're pitching, you're seeing it. Uh, you know, just seeing all these cardboard <laughs> cutouts, it's pretty bizarre. Yeah, it's definitely weird. I mean, you you definitely turn around in the bullpen looking up. And I mean, the creepiest part was there was a security guard that was sitting like right behind them, the cutouts in, near the bullpen yesterday. And so you'd be looking up, you'd, you'd glance up, you'd see the cutouts, and you're like, okay, they're all cutouts. And then you see one of them move. And it was a little weird because the security guard was like readjusting himself or just moving around, like walking around. You're like, now I'm thinking that it's, all the cardboard cutouts are moving, and it's just a creepy movie. <laughs> the cutouts come alive. That would be uh, oh. that, that would be pretty funny. You know, when I think, as you've mentioned, and it's real, it's like every game is really like 2.7 games. How much have you guys talked about the the urgency of you got to win and you got to win right away? Yeah, we haven't really spoken too much about it. I think everyone's of the uh, – like everyone knows that it's going to be an interesting year, how everything plays out. and. I think, um, but the the good thing about it is like the way you the way you have to look at it is you have to put those silver linings and everything, and you have to look at it like okay, a win is three wins. Don't worry about the losses. That that'll that that's neither here nor there. But a win is three wins. A save is three saves. A strikeout is three strikeouts, and a home run is a ho- is three home runs if as a hitter, not as a pitcher. It doesn't count as a pitcher. But um, yeah, that's the way everyone's looking at it. Like, look, everything positive we do times by three, and that's where we're at. I think it's just that's the way everyone's mindset needs to go into this, not uh, sitting there contemplating the negatives, but always just focusing on the positives and, and moving forward with every statistic that is good. It gets it gets times by three, and we'll, we're all, we'll be laughing all the way to the bank. You know, earlier we uh, we, we talked to Sean Mania because he donated a bunch of meals uh, like yourself, but he did for the EMTs in, in San Francisco. His girlfriend works uh, for an ambulance company, and we were talking to him about staying in shape. And then, obviously, I mean, watching him yesterday go out and throw five innings, you know, we were talking about where, you know, are we, are we hoping that starters are going to get three innings? I mean, I, I think you guys are more in pitching shape than people really believe. Just talk about what you did during this off time just to, 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 to keep your arm in shape. Uh, so I started off by two weeks in the spring, or two weeks in the quarantine, training my oblique. So I definitely didn't put too much mileage on my arm, which is good. Um, so I was rehabbing that for most of the, most of the, uh, the break. And uh, yeah, so I was able to play catch. I, st- I stuck around in Arizona just because I had someone to play catch and I had a mound to use. Then that went out the window when I hurt myself. But um, yeah, it was just, I mean, throwing and doing all that. And then the most exercise I really did was walking back and forth between the kitchen and the couch. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't do too much to begin with. I, uh, I like, I've, I gotten to the point where I know what I need to do to get ready for a season, but it's always, it was such a different period of time because during the off season, I'll take two weeks off and then start throwing again. Where this time I was forced to take three or four weeks off just due to the fact I strained my oblique and I couldn't throw. How did you strain it? 
Well, like everyone else, just trying to throw too hard. I was at uh, I was at a place where I was throwing a bullpen, and right next to you, there's a leaderboard of velocities from the rap soda. And so I'm sitting there, I'm looking at him like, oh, okay, 97 point something or other. I'm like, I think I can get to that. Um, <laughs> so I got to 96. I got to 96 that day, and then the next 96.3 actually, just to be specific. And then the guy I played catch with was Mark Zepchinski from uh, our old teammate from 2016. And he was throwing his pens. I'm like, okay, I want to throw my slider as hard as possible. And that's where it went really downhill. <laughs> so I had a slider at 91, and I was like, okay, I need to get to 92 just to be, like create a little bit of breathing room. And then uh, pulled down a little too hard with my front side and didn't end well. But we're all backed and healthy and ready to go now. Well, that slider you got, it, 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 the way it drops versus going from right to left a couple inches like a normal slider, your slider really it reacts almost like a, I, what would we call it, a split-finger fastball where your slider just drops. How do you make it do that? I think it's just natural talent. Uh, no, I got no idea. I think it's um... – the way I've gripped it and the way I've done it in the past, I'm so on top of the ball. I'm so focused on trying to get that four seam backward spin that I'm trying to tunnel it as much as I can. So I'm a little bit higher than your average Joe. And I get, um, I just, I'm able to get on top of the ball a little bit more. And that's where I found that it has the latest, the, the, the sharpest and latest break. And that's, uh, I mean, that's all you're looking for. I, I'll sacrifice like movement in inches to get that little bit, like a little bit later of a break because, I mean, the later the break, the harder it is to pick up. So that's just uh, the way I've the way I figured it out. It's just uh, I can get a little bit more side to side if I change the grip a little bit. I can uh, just manipulate the ball a little bit. But what I found that works best for me, and the one that uh, I'm pretty focused on trying to recreate this year, is that uh, that late biting one that goes down. And then uh, yeah, it's just a, just that changing of the grip and making sure it comes out of the hand the right way, which is a which is a challenge when you miss some time because it's such a it's not a field pitch, but it's a field pitch. Well, I think about, you know, like when you first came into baseball to where we are today, as you mentioned, Rapsodo, uh, they've been using TrackMan. They're now going to Hawkeye in Major League Baseball. Just the technology has changed since you entered pro ball. How much does it help you and how much do you use it? Well, I would have loved this when I was a starter with the Twins. I mean, coming up through the minor leagues, you had to chop. You had to sit in the stands in the baking sun in Florida for an extended spring training game with a radar gun with no shade, nothing that you're just sitting in the sun for three hours a day. And all you're doing is writing the velocities down. So I would have loved stuff like this in the minor league places. But uh, now I use it a decent amount, but it's it's not so much to check the data as it is to compare. So I'm like more of a comparing from what I've done. Like I have a guy that I send all the data to and I let, and I just say, look, don't tell me if it's exactly the same. Is there anything different and what can cause that differences? And so there was a couple of times last year where I actually got a little bit too high on the ball. And so I created a little bit too much uh, kind of horizontal movement, which I don't want. And talked to him sending the data. He's like, yeah, you got a little bit higher on the ball. So just feel like you dropped down a little bit and uh, you'll be back, back in gold. And, all of a sudden, drop down, and it uh, it gave me that life back on the fastball. So it's just I use it as more of a uh, comparable to make sure I'm in the right spot in the right zone, like frame of mind and everything, rather than using it as like, oh well, I need to improve my spin rate to this guy and all this all this other stuff that uh, some people kind of can get bogged down in a little bit. You know, it is fascinating too because you know the simple stuff. I you know, like for you, 
getting back to, to playing long toss was something that brought your fastball back. So it's like you have the new technology and you have the old school. You've kind of incorporated both into your game. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, been part of both periods. I mean, I came up with the old school stuff where it's just the radar gun. And if you if you lit up, lit up the radar gun, it was great. But if you didn't, it was judged on how you're making guys swings. I mean, I for whatever reason, my velocity has always played up a little bit, even when I was a starter. Like, I would be 90, 92, but it would play up a little bit, and I'd get some late swings on that sort of stuff. So I feel like if the analytics were around when I was coming up, it would have been – I think it would have been beneficial to me, but – it wasn't around and you kind of went on the, the feel of it and you weren't able to quantify it as much as you can these days. But yeah, we, we're using Hawkeye right now, which is supposed to be a little bit more accurate. Um, I think there's been some issues with the calibration. I know that uh, the velocity of back at the Coliseum hasn't been quite spot on. I think uh, the hitters are going up there thinking that everything is a couple miles slower than uh, a couple miles faster than the radar gun says. Um, I'd like that because I threw a fastball at 91 yesterday. And so I want to make sure that's at least 93 because that makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think once we get, once we get it all figured out, it's going to be a little bit more accurate than Trackman was. I think it, there's, uh, there's more, I shouldn't say accurate. There's more that goes into it. There's a little bit more of a biometric scanning stuff that they able to kind of pinpoint if you're doing something differently body wise, uh, you're able to kind of la- figure out where your foot lands and the drive and everything like this. So there's, there's a lot more that data that goes into it and uh obviously if anyone's ever watched tennis hawkeye is the thing that tells you if it's in or out and obviously that's a that's a pretty solid piece of machinery right there so hopefully we can incorporate something like that for our video replays as well you know i don't know if i'm overplaying this or not but i just think uh the fact that other than texas and houston you're playing basically everything in the west coast it's going to be far less travel Easy flights to Los Angeles and San Diego. Uh, does this? Do you think that's a big deal? That the fact that you're, you, the mileage you guys normally travel won't even be close to what it normally is. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, we're still top four for travel in the league. Um, like it, I think it goes to two teams: the two Texas teams, Seattle, and then us. So um, we get a little bit of a reprieve on travel because I think we're meant to play the NL East this year, but. Then again, I was excited about going to the new Braves Stadium because I hadn't been there yet. So, so you take everything with a grain of salt. But yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be great to play uh, the West. As, uh, I've never been to Colorado before. Um, that'll be my first time. Never been to Arizona other than uh, the Futures game when I was part of the world team. And then um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I was actually just texting Blake Trinan, who pitched for the Dodgers last night. So it'll be uh, we get a chance to see him again, which uh, which will be interesting. Obviously, his. Uh, the, the couple of years he had here were uh, were drastically different, and hopefully he's figured it out again. And uh, and hopefully it just doesn't work out against us. But hopefully he's figured it out for himself and his career and everything. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about playing the West. I'm excited about sticking around. And my biggest thing is I just hope guys don't do anything stupid on the road. Um, I mean, obviously I've got uh, I got some health issues going on, so I want to make sure that everything everyone takes the necessary precautions and. And we can kind of wear masks whenever we can, and we can uh, we can ride this thing out and get all sixty games and full playoffs in without uh, without any issues. Yeah, that I mean, cross our fingers, knock on wood. That's uh, hopefully uh, what will get done. Did you get a chance to go back home at all? Uh, so I went home this off season. Uh, yeah, I went home, um, went back to Australia for a little bit down there, and then uh, had a nice little off season. Like nice little off season, we did uh, Hawaii with my wife and. My wife and I, and then a couple of friends were there, and then went to Australia, and then we 
spent a couple of days in Sydney. So we walked along the Sydney Harbour Bridge, which was awesome. We did uh, some of the sightseeing stuff that I don't get a chance to do. Like even as a kid being on the West Coast, you don't really get a chance to do that. So it was nice doing that. And then uh, I felt like I was getting locked in in spring training and then uh, then everything happened. But it's uh, it's good to see sports all around the world are coming back. Obviously, the uh, the English Premier League's been playing. The Australian Football League's been playing. The uh, the NHL starts up on the, the 1st of August. Uh, there's the talks about the NBA and the NFL coming back. So I think it's just it's going to be bring a little bit of normalcy back and it's going to kind of limit everything that's going on in in the country right now is having the access to sports to be able to watch everything and it's just getting back into that little bit of a normalcy let's end on this because i've asked everybody this you know during this pandemic a lot of people have been doing a deep dive on a lot of different things whether it's like netflix or hulu or whatever what have you and your wife been doing what have you been locked into during during the off time I mean, we've had a lot. So we were, I was lucky in the fact that my wife had set up, uh, it, it was an app called House Party. And so they'd, they'd get on there every Friday night and it would be just one of those things where they just, she gets on with a couple of friends and they just sit there and it's it's like a house party. So they just sit there and talk and that's usually, that was my excuse to play video games and just get away from everything and we could have that kind of separation together. But we've, uh, yeah, I was doing that. She was doing her thing and then, we got deep into 90 Day Fiance and Below Deck, and then we just watched the uh, the Formula One documentary on Netflix. That was really, really interesting because one of the Australian drivers from my hometown. Uh, we're watching Dead to Me right now. Um, yeah, we've we've bounced around a lot of things. I mean, it's that's the good thing about like my wife is there's no real genre that she is a, like she doesn't like or anything. So it's just, we've bounced around between reality, between drama, between comedy, between everything. So it's been, uh, it's been an interesting time just kind of flip flopping between different, uh, different TV shows and then the books I've been reading and then uh, everything going on. So we were able to kind of diversify our interests, which was nice. Well, I know for a lot of A's fans, it's good to hear your voice and it's good to talk to you again. And, uh, Good luck in the season. We'll be talking to you soon. Really looking for these these sixty games are going to go by fast, and uh, and I expect a uh, a great season from you. It's going to be really interesting. I mean, you, we already need to tamp down your expectations a little bit. Let's just hope for a healthy season right now. I mean, uh, we don't want to put anybody's words in their mouth, but no, we're we're going out there trying to do what we can. But uh, yeah, we're excited to have these. 60 games in 66 days, which will be uh, which will be nice and fun because we never get any days off. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But we're just chomping at the bit to get back to playing and getting back in into that routine of uh, of our normal lives of what we do every day. So I've already got one little figurine built. I built my first guy yesterday, a little Tasmanian devil. So I'll make sure to share some photos of the uh, the stuff I've been building in my little nano block collection. Hey, you're the best. Be well, be safe, and we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for having me. Liam Hendricks, your all-star closer. And he's an all-star guy. There's no doubt about it. Is this it? Are we done? Uh, We still have a few minutes. Um, I I do have stuff prepared for for buying or selling if you want to do that. Let's do it. Let's let's do it. Well, I want to give love to PG&E one more time. All right. So PG&E's frontline workers take the field every day responding to the needs of our East Bay community. We are happy to honor all the five tool players from PG&E who have shined throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, we'd like to honor lineman and longtime ace man John Chen. Thank you, John, for all that you're doing on the front lines for our community. Also, 
Get into the cutout business, athletics.com slash cutouts. Whether it's you, your dog, your cat, whoever. They announced last night, what do we have, 5,100 cutouts going right now? We can do a lot better than that. Athletics.com slash cutouts. Get your mug in the stadium or your pet. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. All right. So we got about, I don't know, I'd say about three or four minutes here until you take a break and then come back for the A's total oh, access. I, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'll be with you till about uh, 11 o'clock tonight. Uh, well, so up next is the A's total access pregame show with you and Ken. And, and Vince and Ray, uh, JB Wendelkin will join uh, as Vince talked to him earlier, and you'll have uh, stuff from our show on there. So that's next oh, week's cast. Uh, we have Liam. We're gonna send I sent some stuff for uh, Liam to be used. So oh, nice. You'll nice hear from Liam and JB Wendelkin uh, today. And the great Ray Fossey. And Fossey, second segment. Tune in. So in honor of the exhibition game tonight between the Giants and A's, I wanted to ask this question. We know Buster Posey's not playing this year after opting out, so the logical choice to take over will be former number two overall pick Joey Bart, but not so fast. Here's what Farhan Zaidi had to say the other day. I'm just going to read the quotes. He's been he's been awesome over the last three weeks in camp, and obviously he was really impressive in February and March. As an organization, we couldn't be higher on Joey. When I first came to the Giants in late 2018, I thought really highly of him, and he only he's only improved with that impression from what we've seen. Now, as we talked about a lot, particularly on the position player side for a development standpoint, upper level reps are important. You can go from the best, go to the best players in baseball, like Mike Trout, Mookie Betts. They had 500 at bats in AAA and AA. Joey, unfortunately, because of the injury last year, got a little held up, and he had less than 100 plate appearances at AA. There's also service time manipulation that can be involved, as the Dodgers uh, are not going to have Gavin Lux in their opening day roster as I, we saw earlier today. So buying or selling, Joey Bart will not be on the Giants' opening day roster. It's so stupid. It literally is stupid. Can you imagine if you drafted Peyton Manning and didn't play him? Can you imagine you drafted Michael Jordan and you didn't play him? This is stupid. I'm selling. This is just dumb. Oh, the kid's good enough to be here. Well, we're not going to play him because we're going to. This is this is why you're leading to a fight with the players union. You're you're cheap and you're not paying young players and they're the best players. You're holding players back. It's stupid. No others. Did, did, did the Edmonton Oilers not play Wayne Gretzky? Uh, he played. Connor McDavid played. Sidney Crosby. They all played at 18. Yes, they played. Baseball has to stop this nonsense. It's nonsense. So you're telling me Gavin Lux was good enough to play in the playoffs last year, but he's not going to be on the roster because you're going to manipulate his service time? Stop it. This is bad business practice. God, it drives me nuts. What team says I'm not going to have my best players? You know who doesn't do that? Billy Bean. You know why? Billy Bean says you're one of my best players. You're playing. Can you believe that? Gavin Lux played in the postseason, but he's not going to be on their opening day roster? Yeah, it's uh, it's a joke. I'm sorry. And, uh, uh, it, now it, you set me off and I'm angry. 
Well, I will get into one last thing. It's not buying or selling. It's just an update. Uh, no update on Anthony Rendon yet. Joe Madden said it. He's at Dodger Stadium, but not in the lineup. So still nothing about uh, Anthony Rendon and potentially playing opening night against the A's. So Andrew Heaney and might not have. H.A. Have- Buck got a PRP injection in cortisone. So let's hope it works. Yeah, so that's uh, hopefully that works. And he's going to be out for a few weeks at the least. So. You know what, Cody? Um, you're not going to be working for the first two weeks of the season because we got to we got to hold you back. Do I get to collect unemployment? How does this work? No, you don't get anything. <laughs> you're just going to sit there and rot for two weeks. It's just the dumbest. Isn't it the dumbest thing? Yeah, it, I'm gonna, I'm going to draft Kareem Abdul-Jabbar out of UCLA, and I'm not going to play him for the first couple months if I'm the Milwaukee Bucks. If I said that to you, you'd be like, that makes no sense. That's like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, like, take any great football player. Name somebody. Did anybody not play them right away? The only- Did Deion Sanders not play right away for the Atlanta Falcons? The only guy I can think of, there's only one, that'd be the great Aaron Rodgers, who sat out. But, I'm sorry, they had Brett Favre, so. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't about his contract. No. because they-, they had Favre. Yeah, he was just sitting behind Favre. No, there, there was no one- Peyton, Peyton Manning had historically one of the worst rookie seasons ever, and that guy turned out to be pretty damn good at the end of his career. So but, I, I'm going to say he had a pretty decent little career. Yeah, Peyton I think Manning. he won a couple Super Bowls, broke a couple records. I think he threw 500 uh, I don't touchdowns. Think any NFL player has ever made more money than Pey- Peyton Manning's made the most money all time in the NFL. Oh, the endorsements, all the stuff. Yeah. Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor, you could argue, is the greatest football player of all time. Because he didn't need anybody else. You couldn't stop him. You couldn't stop him with a tackle, a tight end, a running back. Lawrence Taylor out of North Carolina. Do you think the Giants didn't play Lawrence Taylor for the first couple weeks when they drafted him? I mean, it's unbelievable. How can Gavin Lux be good enough to play in the postseason, but then the next year you're telling him, uh, where, where, where are they going to have him on, the taxi squad? Yeah, I don't know where they're where – they're- squad or whatever it is, but it, I, what I saw earlier is he's not going to be on their uh, opening day roster. I mean, how can you how, how do you sell that? And you wonder why the Players Union hates MLB. I mean, George Springer's still angry about it with the Astros. Chris, Chris Bryant, Bryant is, still, is still angry about it with the Cubs. It's just, it's 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 bad business practices. You're not, you're not, you're not uh, alright. All right, coming up now, what are we going to hear next? Uh, we're going to hear the, the build with Dave Cavill right before we hit the A's Total Access pregame show. So the build with Dave Cavill. We have a new nickname for Dave Cavill. And I didn't realize that he had this nickname when he was running the earthquake. earthquakes. It's one take. You give Dave Cavill a script, one take. There is no redos. He does it, it's done. One take Dave Cavill is next right here on A's cast, and we'll get you ready for the Giants and the Athletics from Oracle Park. Still sounds weird. We'll be back at uh, 5.50. Thank you, everybody, for listening to A's cast live. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.